0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler.
1: I'm Alex. I'm Britton. And uh, whenever Alex puts his phone down and decides to engage with the podcast, uh, we're going to talk about a movie.
2: Do you have something you would like to share with the class? Yeah, I was actually pulling up up my, I have my trusty list of misgivings. This is literally for the podcast. uh,
1: Why don't you read those? (laughs) Yeah, Alex, why would you have misgivings about today's movie? Oh, I don't know. You've been talking about how much you like it for months. Look, it's mm-hmm.
2: it's just it's the greatest film of all time. I'm I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Just Whoa. right at, right at the front. I don't think we really need to get into a lot of detail than, as to why more than that Backdraft is. <laughs> or in the Heart of the Sea. Yeah, no, I'm talking about Lightyear. Are we not talking about that again? <laughs> oh, that's right. We got more to say. <laughs> Lightyear two. We're going to go ahead and review
0: it in anticipation of what they're going to do in the sequel.
1: Yep. It's called Light Decade. I mean, mm. I, I was just thinking it was Light Year mm. 2. Man, I sure did learn a lot about improvising with that uh, stinker of a joke. <laughs> yeah, and that sometimes when you get paid millions of dollars to do it, it still sucks. <laughs> Man, Alex really coming for the Night of the Museum movies <laughs> over here. <laughs> Gee whiz. Oh, let me pull up my grades for the Night
2: at the Museum movies while I'm at it. <laughs> when did we even review those? What what is what is happening here? I don't know. I don't care. I, uh, I, 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 I know I kept pushing us to actually oh, we need to start recording. We need to start recording. Turns out I don't actually want to talk about this movie. Yeah, um, so uh, Night at the Museum, the first one, I gave a C C+. <laughs> then I gave a C minus to Battle of the Smithsonian. <laughs> and I gave a C plus to
1: Secret of the Tomb. So All right. Well, that's a pretty flat, you kind of wavered and you kind of spun around in one room there. So
2: I would say the improv was there. Uh, this week we are reviewing Thor Love and Thunder, more Thor, four Thor, whatever you want to call it, from Taika Waititi 2022. It has a 64% yeah. critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 77% audience score. I did I like I like to call
0: it uh, Thor Love and Thunder. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just kind of go off of the title. That mm-hmm. was given to us. It's on by... the poster. Yeah, it's right there, right? and God put it there, so. <laughs> it's not a bad title. I'll give it that much. Hey, how... You know, this, this one... This one's the God cast, right? Today, we're doing the God <laughs> no. cast. Or God's cast, I guess. The God cast strikes once, once every 100 well, years. Every and light that year. That was us. <laughs> every 100
0: light years. And uh, it just blessed us.
1: That's true. That's and it's true. gone now. And
0: oh. we should... Uh, be thankful that we got to experience it.
1: Truly, <sighs>
0: uh, <laughs> Britain. I don't know what the I don't. We're we're all in a in a weird headspace, and we're all kind of like we. I don't. I don't think any of us are like particularly like. Oh man, we're ready to talk about this movie because I don't think any of us feel that strongly about it either way. Am I, am I taking a no? I, th- I think too you're, far your speaking is fair. To crew? Like, if yeah.
2: we were reviewing right after seeing it in the theater, I would have a stronger opinion yeah. of it. I had a better second watch, but I still don't like it very much.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I came away from the viewing in the theater being kind of like I I don't I didn't love that, but there's a lot that I really enjoyed, and then the rewatch kind of brought me down. So, like I feel like we've sure. all phase to be like oh wait we have to talk about this and kind of modulated, yeah. we don't have any, yeah.
1: any takes we we saw this together and i just remember leaving the theater having like alex they they just work here they, they're they not resp- <laughs> come on we need to go and he was I'm just, sorry i like, but life. you don't even get it and just like <laughs> i mean berating the staff yeah over the counter, I had to pick them up, toss them mm-hmm. over my shoulder
2: like a sack of flour. I, I was mm-hmm. just yelling at people. I was screaming spoilers at them. I said, there, there you go. You know what happens. You don't have to give money to this movie now. Go It's home. eternity,
1: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, who even cares, he said. <laughs> and I said he got into the Twizzlers again. and. <laughs> right walked him away, put him down for his nap. I mean, I
2: did get into the Twizzlers again. I don't know what that has to do with Love and Thunder. Britain, give us the synopsis <laughs> for this movie. Hey.
1: Oh, sure. Um so before right before we did the uh we start we started recording and we were doing our sort of pre-show huddle, I discovered that I can do a, a passable uh, impression of Taika Waititi. Um And I'm going to do that for the synopsis today, right here. And uh, it kind of goes like this. Uh, So, in this one, a film that we made uh, a couple years ago, eh, one or two, Thor embarks on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced, a quest for inner peace. However, his retirement gets interrupted by Gore, the God Butcher, big bloke, um, a galactic killer who seeks the extinction of the gods. So, to combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, Khorr. Pretty nice guy, and uh, his ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, who, to his surprise, inexplicably wields his magical hammer. Uh, and together they set out on a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the uh, mystery of the God Butchers' vengeance. So yeah, it's kind of the whole, the whole, the whole tableau, which I know about because I used to paint pictures. And thank scene. you for that, uh, Mister Yeah.
0: Those, yeah. I'm glad you uh,
1: were able to get him to come help us out. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of weird connections, <laughs> as we've learned. <laughs> a lot of lot of crazy characters in, uh, in my life. You never know mm-hmm. who's going to show up. <laughs> you, you never do. That's right, it's Ronald Reagan here <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> I was
2: just thinking, I was like, you know,
0: <laughs> uh, it's really fascinating how Britain is a member of the Illuminati, and they have such an eclectic... Yeah. Uh, cast of characters and then there you go in and and pro, there he uh, goes. undead Ronald
1: Reagan. And, like it's right in. And it's
2: and oh no, evil Lincoln <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like we're on some kind of like watch list because we 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 discovered the secret that is evil Lincoln on a Man, on hey. the, the King's Man episode. Mm-hmm.
1: You never know. Look,
2: if something happens to this podcast, it's not because uh, <laughs> we recorded the episode for Thor: On the Thunder. <laughs> um, it's mm-hmm. it's
1: because of Evil Lincoln. That's,
2: that's yeah, what happens? Secret,
1: secret government secrets. Yes. uh that we're we're uncovering. So, where do we want to start? <laughs> well, you know, I think Thor Ragnarok. Uh, actually, yeah, it's a that, really good. <laughs> that might actually. So I will give this caveat. Uh, I was not on the episode, uh, podcast to record the episode of Ragnarok, and I haven't watched it, it recently enough one. to do like a full Thor commendation. I like that movie a lot. It might be. I don't know. I can't really say this with any real authority. It's certainly, it's easily one of my favorite Marvel movies. I think it's a ton of fun. I've I've watched it at least twice, maybe three times, and think it had just a ball. I think it's a, a really really fun movie, and that one. And I know Alex is not as big a fan of it. Um, and I just uh, asked Joseph to put his car keys back down. We're not done talking. You don't need to come. Oh, come and visit us, but maybe mm-hmm. cool down first. <laughs> um, and we uh, I, we've talked about it a lot, and I know that Alex feels that this. Not to put words in your mouth, Alex, but if I'm interpreting correctly, you felt that sort of there's the, some tone clashing. The cool stuff and the silly stuff didn't always blend for you. Um, sure, for, for me, that movie, as I recall, it, it all works for me. I think the, the the funny stuff makes me laugh. The cool stuff registers to me as cool. The needle drops are fun, uh, or drop is fun. Well, those two. Yeah. Um You know, I just I, I I really really enjoy that movie. And this one, I in a way, I think one of my biggest problems with this movie is that I've already seen Thor Ragnarok and like it so much. And I, and I did, I did feel certainly on a rewatch that this, I think one of the reasons I was able to embrace the mixture of tones in Ragnarok is that the dramatic stuff, even though it is very high stakes in terms of the MCU, it's the destruction of Asgard and it's, you know, this big step for Thor as an audience member. It's, it, it doesn't feel like the subjects are ever too serious. Like, it's a destruction of a fictional place. You know, it's all fairly standard, like, superhero movie kind of stakes. There's some nice inner character stuff with Thor, but it's not... Th- this movie, the dramatic of it is literally about cancer and a child dying. Like, it's a very different whiplash to go from the, the really, really silly comedy in this to now we're going to do a storyline about terminal cancer and And that I think is it's a bigger jump to make, and it was harder for me to to dance with both of those to dance to both of those rhythms in this one and i I feel like i s i it's it's not that I don't think the individual pieces of the movie don't work I just don't think that they connect well enough yeah um for for me and i, I, I don't i don't necessarily think the movie should have been just a you know two hour Story about cancer, and we're just gonna sit in it and deal with it. But I also don't know that I would have wanted just that level because Ragnarok can get silly. This movie gets very, very silly in a way that some of the jokes I think are quite funny, some of them just feel like filler. Yeah. Um, and we uh, didn't always work for me, you know, whatever it's relative, but that that was something that I, I don't want to say it's lower stakes than Ragnarok or some I mean of these higher stakes than Ragnarok because Ragnarok does have some high stakes but it has high stakes in a very superhero movie uh mythos god kind you know gods of asgard kind of stakes where i'm able to like oh i hope they don't destroy asgard but in this one i'm like oh i hope they handle the cancer story <laughs> like it's a different kind of weight to carry through the movie when you're bouncing around to all these different towns
0: yeah i i think that's a good place to start kind of dissecting uh, the, the, I feel like Ragnarok works well for those it works well, well for and I'm one of them. Uh, and Ragnarok's one of those movies where I'm not usually like, oh man, that's my favorite MC movie. You know, like I love it so much. It's the best thing ever. But then every time I watch it, I'm like immediately swept up in it. And like, yes, this yeah. is great. This is a ton of fun. Um, and I think that mo- where that movie does work is. Thor is uh, going on sort of a a self-discovery journey uh, but it's a very silly one that matches sort of the vision that YTD has for the character um, and that Hemsworth is kind of also bringing to it in his performance so like there's some emotional stuff in there it's usually not super heavy it doesn't really like swing into that kind of place as opposed to like where we take Thor in Infinity War, uh, and in game to some extent, obviously there's also a lot of silliness in that, but like that the movie f- the movie's tone fits the journey the character is going on. Yeah, uh, and then the villain and the stakes come in with Hela, who is Kate Blanchett just eating up the, the the scenery and just like going crazy and you know having a ton of fun with a very evil character who's killing a bunch of people, but is like doing it in a, in a a campy way that also again kind of plugs back into that tone overall. And so it feels pretty consistent overall. There's some, some big fun action moments. It's ultimately fairly light all the way through. Whereas this is like a lot of the Jane Foster stuff feels like it is still thor the first movie jane foster and sort of how it's handled in the tone and like the the humor is even a lot more grounded uh i feel like when it's dealing with her like you know she's having normal conversations with um is it kat dennings is that the actress Mm -hmm. forget her name darcy yeah darcy there we go uh you know that she has conversations with her that are just like the conversations she has with her in Thor uh in Thor the Dark World. I forget who is in which Thor movie and when they are no longer in the Thor movies. Um but yeah, like I I feel like that that is one through line, and then you have Gore who's doing this thing about killing gods and are gods worthy, and we can get into him as a whole character but that's his deal was like, I am literally going around murdering gods. I am terrifying children. Uh, I have this very creepy uh, sort of effect where I'm, I'm, you know, kind of coming across or my, my dialogue should be silly, but I, because it's Christian Bale and the way that he portrays it, it's terrifying and great. Uh, and, you know, they, there are some very serious action scenes with him that are not, meant to be kind of these big wild like oh we're having so much fun here it's like oh this you know he's trying to kill him and they're trying to kill him uh and that that i think really is where the the dissonance comes in because like there's really no like meanwhile thor's kind of journey is dealing with jane being back and sort of tangentially having the plotline about his hammers not liking each other and <laughs> he has to choose one hammer over the other. Yeah. Um, so that like that, that storyline for Thor is not at all matching what really should fit into the storyline with gore. I think of like, Oh, he's got this vendetta against the gods. He has to prove that the gods are worthy. And or Thor has to prove that the gods are worthy to him or like Thor has to wrestle with the idea of maybe the gods aren't worthy. And we, we dance around it, but we dance around it in a way where like, I think I mentioned this in the Thor Ragnarok podcast. There's some, there's some moments from Thor Ragnarok that are just lifted directly from the comics. And I'm not hundred percent on board with those because there's not a ton of emotional gravitas. The big one is uh the executioner. Uh, he stands alone at Galar, I don't know. It's a it's a a bit from the comics, uh from the, the Walt Simons and Thor Run uh back from the eighties that is an an incredible, incredible like story and arc for the character and like has a lot of build-up and, and really pays off well uh and is like a resonant sort of final moment for that character moving forward throughout comics history and like the it, is just a super iconic piece, and it's it's kind of only lifted superficially for that. And I feel like there's a lot more of that going on here. I I never really expected it to grapple with the Gore story in the same way that the the more recent Jason Aaron Thor run, which is where he came into into play. Uh, I never really expected it to go there necessarily in terms of tone, because it is YTD. But I I think that it's a mistake to to grab that and do some of that, but then also have Thor having continuing to have a very very silly kind of superficial love triangle type thing, sure. and the, and and like you said, Britain, there's a lot of these pieces have moments that work for me, and and it's not that any of them are necessarily being done incorrectly in in a single moment, but combined, there's a lot of whiplash, and there's not it does not feel cohesive. So.
2: Yeah, one thought I had was that Ragnarok and Love and Thunder very much remind me of Batman Forever to Batman and Robin, Mm. Um, Mm. where Batman Forever is this very distinct change in style and tone from the previous two movies because those kind of fizzled out and the studio was looking for a change and they wanted to kind of reinvent the character. And so you've got this director that comes in with a fresh eye and some stylistic flourishes, doesn't work for everyone, but it's a big success. Then the next movie, they go, do it again, here's more money. <laughs> right. And so it's just a lot of the same stuff repeated, but it doubles down on the stuff that was perceived to be the previous movie's strengths. Um, I'll be perfectly honest, I did go into this wanting to like it. I I was nervous um, because I was like, okay, so basically... Ragnarok seems to have been somewhat of a compromised production. And by that, I mean, basically they had what the story was before Taika came on board. So the idea that it's the destruction of Asgard and all the Ragnarok stuff that to me comes off as that's Kevin Feige with the massive timeline and going here is when this has to happen to lead into infinity war. Um, And Taika shows up and says, well, I want to do a Taika movie. So, we get kind of that merging of, of ideas. Um, and it works for some people and not for others. And for me, that's kind of the big problem is that disconnect Britain that you were talking about. Um, that's, that's my problem with it. I I don't like the, where the stakes are at in that movie versus just how goofy it is. Um, and then you get to this movie and it just turns into a complete farce. Um, but like I said, I was I was going into it with with kind of uh tempered expectations. I was I was interested in like, okay, so you give Tyka like free reign to do whatever he wants. Maybe it'll just be Thor, Valkyrie, and Korg go off on a stupid cosmic adventure and it's just a, a laugh fest. It's just a goofy comedy. But then, Tyler, like you said, then they pull in Gore and they pull in Jane having cancer, and it comes off to me like. Alfred's terminal illness in Batman and Robin where oh we need we're not having comedic relief we're having dramatic relief we need to stop the <laughs> movie to insert drama um and i found that really really distracting and off-putting um like i said i liked the movie on a second watch as compared to the first watch but that's mostly because i took a break right before the last 45 <laughs> minutes So I think by the time I got to the last 45 minutes, it felt like the movie had sobered up a bit and was a lot more straightforward and wasn't just like wasting time, which is how a lot of this movie feels. It just feels like, Oh, you had, you had a lot of improv that you just cut down. Didn't you? But you didn't even cut it down all the way. (laughs) Yeah. And I know I haven't looked into
0: any of this. Alec, maybe you have, I know there were, uh, a lot of deleted scenes and things. And like, there's been talk about like, Oh, was there a mandate for him to get this back to two hours from like where he originally wanted it to be. And I definitely feel like I haven't looked into like what, what all was cut. Does it seem like it's a more important story element? And like, does it seem like this is compromised in some way in terms of what the overall story was supposed to be? I get the vibe on a second watch, that any more of this movie would not help it to be more focused or more compelling. I get the vibe that it would be more sprawling and sort of unrestrained. So I don't know if that was like, why TD realized that and was like, okay, I have to cut out a bunch of stuff to get it down to like something that's cohesive in some sense, like that is presentable. Or if that was Fuggy or somebody being like, no, this doesn't really work right now. We've got to make some changes. Yeah, it's
2: hard to tell because I think it's either Watiti or maybe Natalie Portman is quoted as saying, yeah, there's like whole sections of the movie with like different planets and different characters that were completely cut. And Jeff Goldblum was supposed to show up in some capacity. And I think there were a couple other folks that that were expected to show up that didn't. Um, Maybe
1: Benicio Del Toro? I can't remember. Um, Mufasa from The Lion King. It was mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. John the, the Rambo, most recent 3D animated Lion King. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, but yeah, I think the rumor is that there was like a four or five hour cut, and they've released a handful of deleted scenes. Um, one of which is Zeus showing Thor how to use the lightning bolt, which contradicts.
1: Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Thor. How they get the killing lightning
2: bolt. him, or you know, quote unquote, killing him. Of course, he ends up being yeah. alive in the after credit scene. Um. But there was clearly several different versions of how the story was supposed to go. Like you said, Tyler, I don't know if just adding back in more scenes and just kind of like slightly tweaking the narrative would would make this a more cohesive piece, a more dramatically satisfying piece. But there's a lot there that seems to be kind of left on the table, if nothing else.
1: Well, that's interesting because there's, there's not space in the movie for Zeus to do that because it,
0: it, I was just looking it up. It sounds like me. Cause Dionysus, uh, is played by I literally just had it up. Simon Russell Beale, Uh, huh. Who I remember seeing in the cast and was like, maybe it's beta Ray Bill.
1: It was not beta Ray Bill. Uh, <laughs> That's very, very funny to imagine Simon Russell Beale yes. playing him.
0: Yes. I mean the beta Ray Bill could, you know, you could do a lot with that. Well, We'll talk about Beta Ray Bill uh, because I have to uh, if we're talking about something tangentially related to Beta Ray Bill. But uh, yeah, I, I was just looking it up and apparently there's a deleted scene where he was like giving away to the crew where Zeus was. So maybe there was kind of a different angle to that whole thing. I don't I don't know exactly. Um, but like, yeah, I,
2: so <laughs> Lena Headey was supposed to be in the movie.
1: Hmm. as oh yeah she's supposed
2: to be no she's supposed to be hero wasn't she i i think that i think that's the rumor i don't know if that was ever actually confirmed yeah we found out because i think her talent agency or whatever was suing her
1: yeah
2: and it's like she was cut out of the movie (laughs) something odd yeah um yeah
0: that so and that's kind of where i'm like there is a thing that happens with uh movies that we watch where I don't know if it happens to either of y'all but it happens to me with movies that we watch uh in theaters recently and then they like especially now post covid things move pretty quickly to streaming we get the chance to review them pretty quickly for the podcast following our usual model of of trying to review it when it's kind of fully available um and usually when that happens uh I definitely am a lot more distracted throughout the, <laughs> watching the rewatching the movie because like it is harder to, if the movie is not engaging me as much it is harder to pay attention and not be like oh what's happening on my phone no oh, what, what's this baseball game what's going yeah. on there um
1: what is be- this baseball I've heard so much about <laughs> sports <laughs> what
0: a fascinating concept uh I I feel like that tends to happen a lot with movies that i've i already kind of feel like i got everything out of the movie from the first watch and it's just kind of me like having it on engaging with it whether or not it holds my attention the entire time it like does help solidify like all right how do i actually feel about this Yeah. and one thing i really noticed with this is that there were several times uh where i was kind of like oh okay i'm i'm distracted i'm scrolling on my phone uh And then I would look up and then I'd be like, Oh, this scene is still going. (laughs) Uh, and I think it becomes really, really apparent. Like if you just lay out the structure and length of the scenes in these movies, the first 45 minutes or so is bouncing between the guardians and Thor on a planet where Thor ends up wrecking the, uh, race that lives there, alien race that lives there, he ends up wrecking their like fancy temple. And there's some, you know, sort of awkwardness around that. Uh and eventually he he leaves the Guardians to go find Sif. Uh and Korg's there the entire time. And like that's that's all happening with with Thor. And then we have Jane's cancer storyline getting set up in another deal and then we have gore's storyline which he has introduced at the beginning of the movie uh as killing a guy we'll talk about it we gotta It's <laughs> a lot of deep dives you can do on any of any particular piece of this because there's just a lot to unpack um but basically like you have those three things that are all kind of getting set up and they're not really being handed off scene to scene in a right. like a way that has a lot of momentum um Chronologically, stuff is is kind of swinging back and forth because you have th- the montage where Korg's talking about Thor's whole life and then talking about how Thor decided to retire and become a monk, but he's not actually retired. He's flying around and killing evil aliens. And so all of that is like a... Diff- th- these are like... D- n- n- arguably at least two, maybe three different movies. <laughs> I feel like they're kind of going on at the same time. And they're not... The editing is not, like, tight in a way that helps it feel like, okay, we've got these these disparate pieces. How are they going to come together? It's like, eh, we're kind of meandering over here, and we're hanging out here, and we're not really having a lot of urgency. And okay, now we're going over here, and this is what ha- what's happening here, and this is how we're doing this. Uh, and, like, scenes last for 10 minutes at a time, and it it doesn't really... Do an efficient job of of setting up kind of where these three storylines are coming from and where they're going. Um, and and basically by the time we get to the scene in is it the Eternal City or the Immortal uh, something like that? Omnipotence City. Omnipotence City. City. Yeah. Uh, where Zeus is is kind of the the God King and everyone's. Uh, listening to him talk about orgies,
2: um, that is
1: so funny. I I was
2: I was on the floor w- rolling around laughing. I will be honest.
0: The I l- I will be honest. I love Russell Crowe in this yes. movie. I think yes. he's very funny, and I love it. And I, yeah, I, his, I that did, performance. I did not. I'll just well. Say that's that. <laughs> no. I think we've talked about this. That like that's where the movie started finally hooking me and being like, okay, I'm in, I'm enjoying this. I'm now kind of entertained and I can, I can sort of ride along with what the movie's doing. When I first watched it, watching it this time, still did not really hold my, like it was not enough to hold my attention. And that is a good 15 minutes. Yeah. That entire scene where they show up in omnipotent, omnipotent city. There's lots of gags about the gods that are there. Zeus is talking. We're introducing Zeus. We're talking about what's going on here. The characters are talking amongst themselves. Zeus talks to Thor because he he overhears Thor talking and he's like, hey, stop talking. And they have a conversation. There's more gags. Zeus blows off his clothes. There's more gags. Zeus eventually is like, all right, guards, kill him. And there's a big fight where I guess a a bunch of people get killed. They've all got golden blood, which I guess is like. blood of the gods but I it's that's I don't I don't really know what that is there or if that's just supposed to be getting away with wanton violence on mytedious's part or like what I I have no answers um but the uh entire scene is it like after we spend the first third of the movie bouncing between different characters that is a just dedicated 15 minutes in smack in the middle of the movie that just kind of pauses and is like, all right, we're doing this again. There's not a ton of urgency. There's not any momentum to the plot or where we're going. Um, They end up just getting the lightning bolt out of that, which is neat, but doesn't actually, it's just like an extra weapon for Thor to have. And it was just fine. Like, you know, you got to set, i guess up something for him to be able to uh fight gore with but like it, it's it's a lot to kind of halt the movie for that just to come out of it with like okay zeus is not gonna help but we did get his lightning bolt um if and i then, remember
2: correctly the setup for them going there in the first place is like oh we need to gather people like yeah. we can gather an army which yeah. Remember when Thanos was going around collecting the Infinity Stones and you decided to go reforge a a, uh, a big old, big old axe? Yeah. Where, where was Omnipotent City then? Yeah.
1: But this is specifically like... The means of Bifrost at that point.
2: That's fair.
0: And this is specifically like the the gods... Are being threatened, so he's like, "Okay, now you know I, I should go get the gods on board, and they we're, we're all going to rally together." And Zeus is great, and we're going to, you know, go fight. Um, so that, like, it feels like from that point forward, the movie is super straightforward, and everything is it, it's just like four ten minute scenes. <laughs> <laughs> from that from that point to the rest of the, to the end of the movie uh, because they're on the boat they get on the goat boat and they're having conversations about romance and Thor and Jane kind of realize they still love each other and like then we go to the black and white scene on the planet which is fun I like that scene a lot and then we go to okay now it's the third act and we're trying to stop gore from getting to eternity so it's it's just such a weirdly structured movie where like I feel like if this was supposed to be the kind of insane blast of a movie that it kind of felt like it was marketed as and that I think the movie wants to be it really needs to have more going on and and have a more complicated structure even if that's messier even if it is more zany and kind of like oh what's going on over here and, Oh, we're jumping over here this is like this is really chaotic and, and we're bouncing around all over the place uh it feels like it just sort of puts it in a park <laughs> multiple yeah. times and it's like let's just kind of hang out here let's 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 yeah. chat with these characters do some jokes and then move on and i yeah i mean that's it's almost like I think maybe Ragnarok gave people the impression that YTD is like this crazy over the top wild man who does like a lot of insane action and has all these wild ideas and he's bouncing around and doing, doing all sorts of nonsense. His movies don't really do that. His movies are, are, are human and grounded and usually like
1: following normal characters. Like they're way closer to like Wes Anderson than they are. Yeah.
0: They're, they're kooky. They're not like something that is like, you know they're they're kind of oddball and offbeat. They're they're not yeah. this like sensation on your eyeballs of like <laughs> I'm sure. I'm going wild and, and doing all this nonsense. It it is like they're sort of hangout movies. That a lot of times they have some really strong pathos um, in terms of what the characters are doing. I and mean, obviously uh, Jojo Rabbit and um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. I think those are those might be the only two of his I'm seeing. I'm probably missing one. Um, but like a lot of the times those are just movies that sit with the characters. Yeah. We get to know them and there's comedy and there's conflict and, and, you know, we're kind of building through that. Uh He's, he's really, I don't think his instinct is to go big and zany and wild. Uh And I think maybe because Ragnarok had a lot of that stuff built in, it worked really well. And, and like, he had to kind of keep the movies, the movie going forward and the story going forward. Whereas this is like his instincts are, okay, now I've got these fun characters established. I just want to play with these characters. I just want to like let them hang out and do a hangout kind of movie. Uh, and that's not really working with the other elements that are in here. So, yeah, I th- that was a super long ramble that I think effectively <laughs> demonstrates kind of how I feel like this movie is a super long ramble. Uh, and that is my point. I, I think that it is not paced very well, and I... I think that is very interesting to look at from the perspective of like, who decided the movie ended up this way? Is it because they gave YTD too much power? Is it something to do with like producers cutting? I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated. I feel like this is an interesting product to get after kind of the expectations of Ragnarok set.
1: Yeah, I definitely, um, I'll, I'll, before I forget about it, I will say that I really enjoyed Russell Crowe in this. As somebody who, who pays attention to actors as much as I do in the way that I do, I liked it as a performance. I liked getting mm-hmm. to see Russell Crowe commit so fully. Like, that is an acting performance. That's not, a, I'm going to show. He is being silly, but he's acting yeah. through his silliness. And, like, the bit where he fluffes out his skirt and... Mm-hmm. That's a little bit much, but whatever. Um, I remember it being more annoying to me when the first time we saw it than when I watched it this time around. Um, but he's committing to this big accent that he commits to; like he holds the accent, and it's a pretty fun accent. And a lot of the dialogue for him is is pretty funny, and I just it's it's an enjoyable performance, and yeah. it's it's a performance that I then think he he shifts it into a very sinister serious performance in the after credit scene that i also think works yeah. we'll see what happens with thor 5 we'll see kind of what how all that manifests and everything but i i could see him he has the capacity to play the silly and the dramatic equally effectively and i think to create a a complete character in both those ways, it'll be a matter of if the movie allows him that, or if he's even in it for a long time, or if he's just there to be the man in the chair who's like, "Go get Thor," and then <laughs> you know, that's it. But, but I still uh, in, enjoyed him in this. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought it was way too much. Um, and no,
0: did Russell Crowe hater Alex?
1: Yeah. Well, you like you like more sort of subtle comedies like The Cable Guy. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so
2: maybe I'm right. Look, look, Jim Carrey is giving it his all. That's all I'll say.
1: <laughs> I would say Russell Crowe
2: is giving it his all. Um, Yeah, I think it just feeds into the farce nature. I couldn't take sure. him seriously. Sure. Like, I, I I, mean, between the skirt and apparently yes. he did two different versions of like every every single line where he hmm. did like a more traditional British accent that you would expect from this type of character, even though it's Greek gods. That doesn't make sense. But yep. for film language purposes, sure, sure um so apparently he did that in the greek version and of course because the greek version probably sounded goofier that's what they went with yeah um i don't know i i was i was just so frustrated by all of the potential ideas that they could have gone with um involving gore and it's like oh we're challenging thor's status as a god and what does that mean and people don't look up to these gods anymore what does that mean how does this all connect Um, it doesn't, none of it really matters. And I was waiting for the whole scene with Zeus and omnipotent city to end with gore showing up and slaughtering all of them. I thought they were going to turn it into like a horror scene and Thor and Jane and Valkyrie have to like get out of there. Um, but no, it just, it's, it's uninteresting. Um, and I didn't find it all that funny. I thought the
1: goats were kind of funny the first i like those goats quite a bit i thought they're i think yeah the screaming goats are
0: the the goats still work for me russell Crowe still works for me Uh, there's gags here and there a lot of the humor does fall flat when a lot of it is is
1: fairly limp like is that a hand grenade no it's a speaker oh well
0: and that and that's like a moment where uh i think um natalie portman and tessa thompson like the way they kind of react and oh yeah dancing they're kind of fun they're like fun. that kind yeah. of sells those are the, the moments that work is when the actors manage to sell the jokes anyway yeah uh cool. when they're not like super amazing yeah uh, uh, I will for say me this, at least but
1: i this is a very dated reference but or will be soon that we're recording this the day after the emmy awards and keenan thompson hosted the emmys and naturally i watched and there's a lot of his like monologue material it was like on paper, you go, yeah, all right, sure. That's a joke. It's not terrible, but it's not by any means amazing. But he sold it really well. He's mm-hmm. a very affable performer, and he he knew kind of how to punctuate the bad jokes and and kind of play it up that it was hokey. And yeah. the the good jokes he could just depend on. Like he's he was just such a natural at it, and he he did a nice job selling you know hokey awards show jokes. And I think that's what I got a lot of in this movie is like. Yeah, that joke is fine. It's I, I feel like I've heard that joke a million times. I feel like that's an mm-hmm. easy, that's an easy option if you're driving down a joke lane. That's a that's a it's a it's a smooth merge, but it's not necessarily hilarious to it's me. The uh, it's it's the McDonald's of jokes. You know what? Kind of actually, that's not <laughs> bad. It's like, not all right, reference. that's that's there. We
0: don't have another uh, another exit for twenty miles. Yeah, I you guess. know what?
1: Sure, whatever. But like. The performers were all committing to it and giving it energy and some verve, and they tend to have good uh, uh, chemistry with each other. So that was what was – I was like, well, I like the way you said it, even if what you said was kind of bland. Um, I don't
2: know. When a a pile of mediocre jokes costs $250 million, I get frustrated very
1: quickly. (laughs) And it's also so relative because, like, we're over here saying it's mediocre. There might be somebody for whom that's very, very funny um if it you have 77
2: like percent of the audience it worked for so yeah. well, if you
1: haven't heard jokes like that a million times they wouldn't feel tired right, right. um right Which is why like that kind of joke
0: i mean that's why kids jokes get away or kids jokes kids movies get away with totally jokes totally. that are basically the same thing because it's like we know that kids will laugh at the big reaction and the big the big yeah like, yeah and the, the like, way these characters say these things like
1: right uh, I think I've told this story before, but Elliot Kalen from the House has talked about his son running up to him and showing him a page in a book or something where a character says, what am I, chopped liver? And his son was like, that's so funny. That's so crazy. And Elliot was like, that's like the oldest, yeah. hackiest line. Like, it's not even a joke anymore. But to him, that's the first time he's ever read it. So, of course, it's funny. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think it's that kind of, kind of thing, which, again, in a kid's movie, you're a little more like. I I get it. I'm not gonna expect a seven year old right. to have heard all these bits before. But for Thor Love and Thunder, you're like, e, come come on though. Like for some reason the Korg's god being called Ninny of the Nani, whatever. <laughs> like to, that to me is so <laughs> is so limp. But yeah. it, but it's Taiko Watiti's
2: voice, so it's automatically gold.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you mean okay I don't know if you're serious. In I, our last episode you said kind that he's of? always screaming in your ear. I don't know. This movie did kind
2: of turn me on even his quirk performance because I have yeah. normally been of the mind that I I am not the biggest fan of Taika Waititi movies in general, having seen the two Thor movies and Jojo Rabbit, but I've always said, or, you know, always, I've only seen two other movies um, that he's done. I, I, I have had the consistent thought that I liked him in the movie. I liked mm-hmm. his performance. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. And in this one I was like, okay. Korg feels obligatory and he won't shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah pushing I, it a little bit for me. I
2: think it's like he's
0: in the movie a lot. I mean, it's all we've talked about this with uh this is going to be a a connection. We've talked about this with um John McClane and sure, you know Jack Sparrow is probably a better comparison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when you when you hit when you hit when you catch lightning in a bottle, eh, th- thunder. Here it
1: is. I get it. Are you the god of thematic. bottles? Oh no, oh. yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> if,
2: you're,
1: our, if
0: our you're jokes look, are landing just as well as the jokes in this movie, if you're uh, fishing from a,
2: for a reaction from me, you're not getting it. Move well,
0: on. Well. <laughs> Yeah, that was enough for me. Actually, the fact that you acknowledge it, so um, oh no, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't, you can't win. Uh, I when you, I mean, with Thor, Love and Thunder, I mean, I, I, I just can't. That is true. a fact. <laughs>
0: when when you have a character who is sort of lightning in a bottle the first time that they're in a movie when when they're created for a film and they're just like electric in terms yeah. of the whether it's you know, the humor, it's just, like, the the presentation, the performance, the exact way that they land. Then you have the pressure of trying to replicate that. And I think Ragnarok, like, that feels like Korg is sort of Taika's uh, release for his most zany off-the-wall jokes. And so that is, like, this is how he's slipping in his humor in the, into the movie Is is, like, so much of that is concentrated on Korg in that, and he is so funny. Yeah. And so much of that, I'm I'm sure is probably improv. I, I could be wrong, or like stuff that he came up with, kind of on the set or something like that. Like that's what it feels like to me. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe that was all he inserted those as he was reading script, or I I don't know. Um, but like, fantastic performance is great. Uh, every line is gold. It feels like. Uh, he's just there to be the funniest character possible, and it works really well because Taika, Taika Waititi is a funny guy.
2: Um, just a little rock paper scissors joke for you. Sure. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, I liked it. It's pretty good.
0: And then in this, it's like he is a character now that you're trying to flesh out. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't in Game Two, but again, briefly had yeah. you know maybe four lines if i'm not mistaken um he played Fortnite. yeah and that was funny um and again bit part so you don't you're not you're not having to make that work this movie is making him one of the main characters uh and sort of like immediately i think there's like an oh
1: no uh response because he
0: what is it he does? He mispronounces something.
1: Oh, he says uh Jane Fonda instead of Jane Foster. Yes.
0: Yes. And that immediately is kind of a red flag of like,
1: that's
0: that's yeah. scratching the bottom of the barrel for yeah, something. Yeah. Um and that is really where a lot of not I mean not all of it. Like there's there's yeah. stuff that works with, with Gorg in this movie, but it's so much and it if you can tell that there is a Like, I think it would have been a lot better if Korg was just allowed to just be a character. He doesn't have to have the sort of the witty one-liners and the the, the crazy over-the-top, like, responding to everything with his weird perspective. Uh, I think, like, because there's there's some fun stuff in here. Like, he, uh, they established that his rock people, uh, I think they're all males and they mate in a volcano.
1: Something (laughs) like that, yeah the deal and like maybe
0: yeah i think they say that he he finds his true love at the end or or something yeah a guy named Um, dwayne yeah that was just kind of sure good guy why not unexpected names for comedy sure um but like the like you if you had tried to sell that as sort of like a you know weirdly sweet uh approach to this character and kind of make him like somebody who is very genuine and earnest and that's like how you sell this character as a true true to form like actual supporting character in this movie that might have worked and you didn't feel like you had to constantly be making him funny because then if you do it that way you can find those opportunities for him to be really funny and that's all the audience needs is to remember every 30 minutes 20 minutes like oh right he can he can fire off a really funny joke and that's you know part of the fun of this character um because you're expecting it if he's saying a joke every time you're expecting okay every time he opens his mouth it's going to be a joke is this joke going to work for me or not like you're you're totally changing the way that you're approaching this character um and i feel like that yeah i mean i my bottom line is i totally agree like i think by the end of the movie it's like okay i'm I would like for Korg to not be in the next movie. I think we can well, let him go live his life.
2: It feels like they had a chance to kind of take care of him when Zeus seemingly kills Korg. Right. It that that moment actually got me. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, are we are we killing Korg? That's sure. alright, that's an interesting choice. And it's actually fairly well handled. And then of yeah. course, he's he's not dead he's because face, yeah. Korg Korg can't die. Um, because we can't upset the kids. Um, sure, but like when that moment happened, I was like, "Oh, is is that going to be like the m- midpoint thing that happens to get me back on board with this movie? Is that going to actually start to raise the stakes again for me?" Um, and it feels like any any chance we had to do something interesting, to do something that would actually have some dramatic weight, the movie just doesn't do that because it especially, wants to play it safe, especially because Thor immediately. For,
0: for for the for all intents and purposes until we see the end credits uh he immediately murders zeus
1: yeah uh, right,
0: and we're like oh snap okay this turned quick oh snap indeed uh that yeah that i i agree i i don't know that it would have really worked uh on a rewatch to just have korg be like all right he's dead now like a, maybe because he's been relegated to such a comic not relegated. Maybe because he is still such a comic relief character, it's like, okay, clearly they don't have know anything to do with him, might as well kill him. <laughs> that's that's harsh, but uh yeah, I I agree. It's you gotta find something to do with him, and they don't. And so they just keep him there the entire movie.
2: Yeah, one thing I wanted to address, um and I honestly don't know how much of the movie was improv versus scripted. It's hard to tell. I think sometimes you you know, just with the way scenes are edited, you can be like, oh, this is going on too long. It's just two people talking. Mm. It's probably uh, ad-libbed. But I noticed it was getting to the point where jokes were contradicting um, information that's either in this movie or in previous movies. And this happened at least a couple of times. Um, Circling back to Korg, um, the whole bit about, you know, oh, all the people in... in his race are are male and they they you know have babies in a volcano or whatever he specifically talks about having a mom in Ragnarok and it's like well, i guess have... i guess you can no prize that but sure. like i said that that wasn't the first
1: that wasn't the yeah. only instance i found the other and I don't bit, ask, oh go ahead I don't ask this to like to i'm not literally challenging i'm clarifying did yeah. he does, do they say that everyone in his race are male or just that he has two dads i'm
2: pretty sure he says everyone in his race yeah i think so okay, male. Okay. and um, i think doesn't he have the joke in the last movie about
0: like his mom and his his mom's boyfriend or yeah. something like that
1: yeah uh, there's a whole gag there yeah that's that's okay. a yeah. specific joke yeah odd. gotcha gotcha okay continue
2: um the other big one is when um sif has her faux death scene um Thor goes to, to talk with her and she's like, oh, leave me to die. I want to die a glorious death and go to the, the gates of Valhalla. Um, and Thor has the very Chris Hemsworth ad lib sounding line of, oh, well, you have to actually die in battle to go to Valhalla and you haven't died in battle. So you're not going to Valhalla. Um, and then Jane, who does not die in battle, just goes to Valhalla at the end of the movie. Is anyone actually watching uh, the movie in the editing bay? Like- <laughs> my
0: my read of that was that that was actually supposed when I watched this the first time, my takeaway was that that was supposed to be set up where that where uh like he's saying like, Oh, you can't die in battle. Or you didn't die in battle, so you can't go to Valhalla, and then Jane does die fighting Like, I mean, she doesn't literally die fighting, but, like, she, instead of dying, you know, in a hospital, like, she goes and fights as Thor again. And then because of that, she uses all her power, breaks Mjolnir, and dies immediately because of the effect of that. So that was my read of that. I thought that was actually supposed to be part of the script. It's not, like, super clear or
2: anything. Obviously, there is
0: interpretation there.
2: If that's the uh, movie's intent, it did not communicate yeah. it at all. And it but just felt like a joke I, inserted that was contradicted later. That's no, what I, don't, like. I
0: don't. To me, that felt like I think that is actually part of the script because I feel like that's supposed to be, like, a setup of, like, oh, Jane's going to fight. And so she gets to go to Valhalla at the end. Uh,
1: I did like the it been nice if somebody it. talked about it. <laughs> yeah. I did like uh, I, when movies hold my hand um i like <laughs> uh, sometimes yes <laughs> no just yeah, yeah, yeah. a little ju- it's just yeah, you know yeah, yeah that's why i like a little episode. guidance
0: and no, a
2: li- a little when you know when i, I don't know. trust a movie sometimes i n- do need a little
1: handhold this movie
0: <laughs> is a little spooky sometimes
1: i just if somebody could hold my hand for <laughs> sure. a little bit no uh, I, was, I i do like the actual joke after he says the thing about valhalla and you have to die to get there he says maybe your arms in valhalla that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good gag. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, you can and find I'm, us online at and Here Comes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I guess going along with contradictions. Um, I'm I'm sure people have talked about this. So the whole setup is that back when they were first dating, Thor, you know, lovingly looks at Jane and and whispers into Mjolnir, you know, always protect her no matter what. Um, so that's seemingly what calls her to New Asgard when she has cancer, even though that's also a bit contradictory because she seems to just be doing research and decides right. to go there, but she later says, no, Mjolnir called to me. Oh, I think she's talking about they they show her walking up to Mjolnir
0: and like yeah, the the moment she has there upon seeing the, it. The way I think she that's described it made it sound
2: like she specifically traveled okay. to New Asgard because it called to her, but that's beside the point. That's, just, sure. that's a minor quibble. Um, But then it ends up being the twist that Mjolnir is actually speeding up her cancer because her body in her mortal form cannot fight it off when it's expending all of its energy as the mighty Thor. And that's not really discussed at all yeah. in terms of why that contradiction exists. The, the idea, and I, w- I don't think they
0: really references in the movie at all i know from the comic that this is based on the idea there is that when she uses mjolnir it and becomes thor it wipes the chemotherapy basically from her body like she the it cannot hold and like help her heal because she becomes totally like in perfect health and totally changes her body chemistry and then when she changes back into jane She changes back to Jane as she was. And so then, like, the chemotherapy has basically been flushed from her body, and then that is, like, she can't heal because she keeps changing into uh, Thor. Sure. So they don't... Yeah, they don't really address that. I mean, they... I meant to pay more attention on this this point and like try and like focus up specifically where it says it, because I think we had talked about this after watching the movie as well. Um, I forget what exactly they say as far as like why Tessa Thompson tells her she has to rest and not, and why Thor tells her
2: she has to rest and not go use Mjolnir again. I think they say it's like, if you use that again, you're going to die. Yeah, they don't, I don't explain... Like, they very clearly set up, like, going into that final act, she is going right. to die.
0: Yeah, but, like, why that is, I don't know if they get into... Um, I don't
2: know. I, it, it's not necessarily the biggest problem in the world, but for, if it was just a magical object. But the problem is, this is the movie where they decide to give Mjolnir and Stormbreaker personalities, which, number one, I didn't find any of that funny, which... You know, different people will, will sure. have different reactions to that. Um but also okay, so if Mjolnir understands what's going on, then Mjolnir should be staying away from Jane too. Like I feel like there I don't know. It does, gets it gets into does, muddy waters.
0: This is one question. Does Mjolnir really have a personality in this, or is it just Stormbreaker? I can't think of any is gags for Stormbreaker. Where I'm not really sure. More of a Stormbreaker. I, I think Stormbreaker it's really more Stormbreaker. Is part yeah did they talk about that i like that headcanon
2: i think that yeah that is a good good no prize britain uh, i'm glad to know you could have written a better thor love and thunder
1: yep i'm doing the next one <laughs> but yeah it's, i think um it's called base- Sir Sharon and the muppets go to <laughs> Go to new Asgard. Go to new Asgard. Muppets take out. new Asgard. Oh my God. And Sorcerer
2: is there. Basically, the point I'm trying to get to is that, particularly when this is not a standalone film, and it is part of a cinematic universe that has a lot of long-running plot lines and a lot of long-running details, this movie just kind of like throws them out the window. And I was looking at some of the interviews. Again, um... And Natalie Portman initially had some concerns um, about coming back to this. And she was like, oh, is, is this iteration of Jane like completely contradicting the way she was portrayed in the other movies? And apparently Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi basically said, don't worry about it. We didn't worry about it with Ragnarok. And that that bothers me to no end. I'm like, then what is the point of a cinematic universe? Like, what is the point?
1: Well, especially when I I, I feel like the... One of the MCU's goals recently has been, if not apologizing for Thor: Dark World, at least trying to take what that movie is and make it work now. And I, which I, they do in Endgame, mm-hmm. pretty effectively. And it it does. I I I don't remember the. I don't genuinely do not remember Thor: The Dark World. I know I saw it. I don't remember, it, so I can't hate it like a cool person. Um, I same with the first Thor movie, but I don't. I, 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 grant that it is, I don't know. It's, it's, it's odd for them to have put that effort in. And now they just kind of write them off as jokes. I also don't necessarily mind it. Um, because I don't think I have to take any of this stuff that seriously. Uh, cause like, whatever, having said that, <laughs> I, I, I understand the, like the, 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 how, how can I then become invested in things? Marvel is putting forward. If I think, well, in three movies, is this just going to be a joke? Like, does any of this have lasting uh, relevance? Yeah. Um,
0: Critics are saying, "Thor: Love and Thunder."
1: I don't really mind it
0: because <laughs> I don't really
1: feel like I have to take anything this seriously. Because you know, whatever. <laughs> that's that's kind of my <laughs> my philosophy about movies. Well, I no, mean,
2: sometimes it's... you get you get like Hawkeye and Age of Ultron going. We're fighting robots in a floating city, and I've got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense, and you've got like a joke that's very sure. much like, "Okay, don't take this too seriously." But that
1: yeah. movie also doesn't betray continuity. Right, right. And I think that is the difference of of saying like, hey, some of this stuff you really do just kind of have to embrace and or or it is a it is a low stakes. I've only watched two episodes of She-Hulk, but I feel like She-Hulk does its own version of this where it's like, we can make a joke about this and it kind of washes it away because it's not that big of a deal. She-Hulk also I have watched. I, I, I'm caught up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh and so
0: far, I feel like in terms of, like, smoothing out and sort of, like, connecting the universe, it's actually doing a really good job <laughs> of, like, making the universe feel more, more lived in. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I yeah. Like, yeah I agree. I think this one feels like, where Ragnarok felt like, you know, kind of a reboot of the character right. in a way that was intended to refresh the, the vision because it wasn't, they weren't really happy yeah. with the results they were getting.
1: And I think that's uh, part of the thing is that Ragnarok had to follow up dark world. This yes. has to follow up Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's yeah. a very, you come into Ragnarok being like, all right, I guess we'll see what, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, th- this is why I was hoping
2: that Taika would kind of leave the dramatic baggage behind and just go off and do his own goofy mm-hmm. space Viking adventure. Just make sure. it funny and crazy and dumb. Just do that. The dramatic stuff, and tying it into continuity and bringing Jane back, I just I just don't think it plays into his strengths, at least with regards I, to how he handles Marvel stuff. I agree, and
0: this does go back to like was he handed these plot points? Like I know that he has kind of full creative freedom. I I still wonder if this was like hey, you got to you got to work these in there. I I mean, I could see it it feels very calculated in terms of like a movie choice to be like there was this really popular Thor run and introduced a couple of big continuity things we should use those things and people will like it and it'll be nice because we get to have Jane Foster as Thor and people will like that and we should do that I I don't know I I'm I'm really intrigued by like what those discussions were like and how this kind of came about and what what happened there I mean I <laughs> I, I kind of feel like the end result is that I do, I, I would like to see somebody else take this over if they do with Thor 5. And I don't necessarily know if that means they should kick out Taika. I think they could find a project for Taika that would work really well. But I am now at the point where I'm kind of like, I would I would like to see, we we can't get more than two movies with one of these Thor iterations. I'd like to see somebody else yeah. give it a shot.
1: Yeah. Um... Alex, when they approached you for a pull quote for the DVD box, mm-hmm. uh, did you suggest, unlike girls, Tyka does not get it done? I've been Alex. Alex, here come the sequels.
2: No, no, my, my <laughs> quote on, on the DVD box, not the Blu ray box, just the DVD box. Just the, yeah, the DVD. Was Infinity combs. Seriously? Alex, here come the sequels. That oh, was kind of cute. We're making a joke it. about Thanos destroying half of the universe. That's like New York We're having already, a pizza parlor called 9-11 Pizzas.
1: Admittedly, <laughs> that, I do live That on is Earth. so bad. I do live on Earth in America. So like <laughs> I, I I get what they're doing. I've also watched The Boys. The Boys is a different thing. That right.
2: that was just one of those little things. I'm like, sure. that is way too far. You cannot do that in this. <laughs> I I no (laughs) (laughs) i think that's also a
0: different jokes kind of thing
1: yeah it tracks for me yeah i i yeah i remember at the end well never mind that's a very serious thing that i won't bring up
2: thor alone with all of his ptsd from that like i feel like he would step in and be like you cannot call it that i know i'm not king anymore you can't do that
1: yeah That might, I mean, it is like a literal half-second sight gag. But maybe, yeah, if Thor, when he landed, was—and by the way, we need to get rid of that. I hate that. That (laughs) would have been a different. For me,
2: it's just a very specific microcosm of that is how Tyka treats the material. That is what he thinks of the material. He can just do whatever he wants, and he none of it matters. That's that's what it comes off as to me. It's a very cynical take, I know, but that's that's how I read it. I see. I feel like. That's. I mean, talking about
0: the boys. That feels like kind of a cynical take, a cynical, realistic take by talking of like how would, how would people yeah, respond to this and use this for uh, material profit. But it is in New
2: Asgard, which is maybe a bit on the nose. I will say, but oh yeah. Um. I guess going beyond that, uh, one of the big elements I haven't talked about is how thor is portrayed um and i've talked about this i'm not once again i'm not a big fan of where taika and chris hemsworth have taken this character i'm not a fan how they've just kind of turned him into a big idiot um this one he's even a, a bigger idiot <laughs> um he just is. bigger the, the opening with him <laughs> destroying the the temple and then just treating it like sure, a yeah. joke um,
1: the yeah, MCU
2: has put too much leg work into actually talking about collateral damage to to get away with something like that. I That bothered yeah. me to no end. And it, particularly because I just, I don't understand where Thor is at the beginning of this movie. And yeah. we have another movie where he's kind of finding himself, I guess, but that's not really what the movie's about think, until the last five minutes. <laughs> I think that his interactions with the Guardians as well, like you've talked about in
0: infinity war you're not a big fan of some of the like
2: the that's my least favorite part of the movie is him and star lord having their bit of banter against each other yeah so long
0: but like that part for me in infinity war is like yeah i'm pretty much fine with it yeah i think i think in this movie it it is like over the top and like there's good gags but it's kind of like like chris pratt is weird in this (laughs) like he's it doesn't feel like he's Playing Star Lord or like really like thought out in terms yeah. of like oh is this the character?
1: Is it, it just weird. It, it just off? Seem
2: confused.
1: <laughs> well, and, and he, they're making him be the straight man, and Thor is the comedy yeah. guy, and they're already kind of a similar comedy archetype. So it, like, yeah, it's weird. I will. Say it makes sense. Yeah,
0: for them to like clash and kind of, right. you know, both be kind of like having their egos, butt butt heads like that. That's why that works in infinity war for me. It's like, okay, yeah, I buy yeah. that. Why? Like, it's weird in this. Well, it's where like, Star-Lord is,
1: is the one with the, I, I'm, I've got the mantra. I've got the yeah. theme. I'm the one imparting the wisdom. Um, I will say there's a great gag where they're talking about their, uh, Korg is like, oh, you have to do a special whistle to summon the goats. Mm-hmm. And then he takes about 17 minutes to practice whistles. <laughs> um, but he's like, do it like this. No, it's not like that. Mantis, try something, and she goes. Ah! And he goes. No, it's not like that. <laughs> good. Like I she think she to... also
0: picks up a gun to kill the goats. Stuff, yeah. like, <laughs> or Nebula, Nebula does. I think Nebula does, and then I think Mantis is also like. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I am going to too. It's just me. this nice little reminder that Palm Clemente is great and she has this great face yeah. when she does it It's, it's I, this
0: funny. this movie very much made me be like man I can't wait for James Gunn to direct the
2: guardians. <laughs> well, I, That that whole section made me frustrated because i'm like I would have taken guardians 3 with thor over this movie yeah. Like mm. any day of the week just they should have just ditched this all together and, and just told james gunn You have thor to deal with now It's kind of weird to me that they don't like I
0: <laughs> I get that. It's like, okay and I don't think they really hid this necessarily, but it's kind of like, all right, it's a marketing thing of like guardians in the beginning. They're going to pop up for a bit. You'll get to see them. And then they're going to kind of bounce and you're going to get, do the own thing. It is, it is weird to me. It feels like we should be at the point in the cinematic universe where they can show back up at the end to help save the day. I, I feel like they should factor back in at some point and they
2: don't, they, they just go. And it's like, okay well even like we don't hear any updates from them like so the whole idea is that they discover that gore has apparently been massacring like several different planets very quickly we don't really know what the time frame on all of this is but thor specifically goes all right i'm gonna go to just one planet i'm gonna go talk to sif and then chris pratt goes okay we will go (laughs) everywhere else yeah i'm like okay i guess that's what they're doing for the rest of the movie yeah and
0: this is a this, i'm getting deep in the nitpicking here but like what are the end credits for this movie there's the the Woman Zeus, and then is that it
2: jane showing up at valhalla
0: right yeah it it kind of feels like there should be a, a guardian's tea yeah it, it feels yeah, yeah, odd yeah. to have them just kind of like drop off and be gone i don't know if that may i mean this is, and this is something that should probably hang over all of this. Because we haven't even really talked about the effects, which sometimes are very, very wonky in this movie. <laughs> uh, I think it does look better on a TV than in the theater because it's kind of less uh, obvious where things
2: are a little bit wobbly. And also um, Disney may or may not have tweaked some things.
0: Yeah. Uh, which they like for before. goat the, with the
1: release. <laughs> Uh Goats aren't actually that big. (laughs) Put it in the goof section. Neither are humans, but there's Chris Hemsworth. I mean, mean, you know, Um. (laughs) I'm DB goofs in real life. Goats don't scream like that. This is an invention by the filmmakers. Uh, They thought you wouldn't notice. Rock people mate in glaciers. (laughs) this was changed as glaciers were deemed quote, too political <laughs> to be included in the film. <laughs> um, the,
0: I haven't lost my train of thought. What was I talking about?
1: Guardians and there should be guardians T. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, that is weird to me that they totally drop off and it feels like we should set that up in some, Oh, oh sorry. I was talking about, uh, covid basically like this movie did still have some production going on around covid times and like i think there is some weirdness there i think there probably is some stuff about like oh who could we get for what and like you know who's going to be available so like maybe they couldn't put together something where they would show up at the end or they couldn't get like the um an end credit scene with the guardians or anything like that. Maybe they didn't know, maybe the plans were still up in the air for where things were going. So they had to be very like close to the chest with whatever the in credit scenes were. Um, but the, yeah, that, that does feel really strange to be like, okay, they're splitting off even though like I, I like a lot of the MCU, uh, in terms of what we get from having a connected universe, I think one thing they've really got to get better about is, is not having like teases that then kind of get dropped and split off and we don't really work, work them. Like obviously that's part of the system. And we've talked about this of like, we have to do teases and then we don't necessarily know where that's going to lead down the road. And then we have to kind of figure it out when we get there. And a lot of the times it's easier to just kind of pass that off and kind of be like, okay, deal with it in 10 minutes. Now we're on to the plot we actually wanted. Decided
2: we want to do, but it's it's a thing. It's distracting. Um, it was cute when Doctor Strange showed up for a scene in Ragnarok. Maybe maybe try a little bit more the next time. <laughs> right.
1: I will uh, to talk about literal like filmmaking for this one. I will say for me a lot of the uh, to again compare it to Ragnarok. One of the things I liked the most in Ragnarok, and this is what a lot of people liked in it, I liked Immigrant Song, and I liked the way it was set to the battles, or the battles were set to it. Yeah. Um, it happens twice. I think it works. I think the choreography is fun and kinetic and shot neatly. In this, the a lot of the, uh, um, the fights felt kind of sluggish, um some of the choreography did like in the beginning when they're doing welcome, welcome to the jungle and Thor's fighting all this stuff. I just remember being like, okay, I feel like I'm, we're constantly revving the engines, but there's not a lot of like speeding um, with the kid battle towards the end. I, I am not crazy about that because I don't like watching kids do violence and it's supposed to be fun. Like there's, there's one shot of a little girl like literally bisecting a demon or whatever it is, and she kind of giggles, and she's like a five-year-old, and I was like, I don't like that. That's that's too much, and I'm not. It, it's not the boys. It's not that intense. It's a different deal. Sure. but I was still like, I don't know. That doesn't sit quite right with me. I'm not yeah, like I'm gonna, you know. I'm not is, holding. I'm not holding the movie on a moral uh, uh, cross or anything here. Well, it is but interesting just, how you have something like
2: Terminator 2, where James Cameron deliberately has the choice of I'm not giving John Connor a gun. Right. He can hold some of the magazines and hand them to his mother and the Terminator when they need to reload, but he is not he- holding a gun. Meanwhile, yeah. you get this movie, and because it's swords and whatever and a bunch of CGI, who cares? Yeah. They can just slice and
1: dice all day long. And, and yeah, like, I don't want to make too much of a deal of it because it doesn't. It, it's something I have to like think about to remember. It doesn't just like sit in my stomach as a as a sure. rock or anything, but it does kind of. I don't. know. It made it harder for me to enjoy that sequence. Where I was like, I don't want to watch kids being violent. Like,
0: I'm uh, gonna, I'm gonna be real. It it works for me pretty well as the father of a two year old because uh, <laughs> children crave violence. Uh, it's a it's a harsh um, reality. Children, sure. <laughs> they, they enjoy <laughs> the bloodshed.
1: <laughs> we should rewatch uh, the Rob's the opening of you, of Rob Zombie's Halloween. If you gave my child a
0: actually, actually, I'll be honest. I've given my child a fake thorax. Uh, storm Stormbreaker axe that I got for a, a Halloween, Halloween costume. He has he has picked it up and he enjoys swinging <laughs> it around and hitting things. Fair, all right, fair. Uh, um, in, so in, I, mate, it does it does kind of and I think I I do quite like Thor gives them the the power. Yeah, there's yeah. a good gag where he's like, uh, whosoever holds holds these weapons shall. And then he pauses and he's like, for a limited time only, right? Uh, right, right. Possess the power of Thor. They go out and they they go crazy. Um i uh i will i will give a take here uh this that sequence does play the guitar solo specifically from november rain which i did not catch in the theater and i realized only because of the captions this time referring to it as such uh i think uh tyke is a coward for not using the entire nine minutes song. i think (laughs) i think he should have found a way to work in uh the ending of this movie just being a nine-minute music video to November Rain as we yep. deal
1: with the entire third act. Instead of riding in on a Pegasus, Jane jumps out of a cake. There's sure. a part where uh, <laughs> I, I think... I, I just, in general, felt like this, the, the needle drops didn't work as well for me in this. I feel like there were too many. I feel like they didn't sync up with the action well enough. The the montage about Thor and Jane's relationship dissolving, I think was... was It's a weirdly like mature understanding of... It's a very Cliff Notes version, right. but a fairly mature mm-hmm. take on how a relationship like that could dissolve uh, without you know ginning up some like, Jane got jealous because she saw him hanging out with Black Widow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some some stupid thing. And like that all that made sense to me, but they're playing Our Last Summer by ABBA underneath it. And maybe just the way it's mixed, it was like cacophonous to me. I was like, I'm trying to mm-hmm. listen to the narration and watch the scene. And there's this ABBA song playing mm-hmm. underneath it. It's a little too busy for me sonically, um, and then I just felt like in general with with the the music played over the fight scenes, like maybe I just wanted the choreography to be faster. There's a lot. There's a great shot in Ragnarok where he jumps over a bunch of the bad guys, and then a bunch of lightning bolts yeah. come behind him and strike them all down. They repeat that that structure of a shot a few times in this of him slowly leaping towards the bad yeah. guys. Yeah, and I just felt like it was a lot of slow mo and. I don't know, and I get—we all know how picky I get about editing and fight sequences and choreography and stuff. How I, I, I nitpick on on that business. Um, uh, so we've all we've all got our things, and uh, that's certainly one of mine. And so may, maybe it was just me going. It's not exactly—it's not like perfectly cut, so therefore it's disappointing somehow. I don't know. But I, I I think it was trying to follow up the thing from Ragnarok and it kind of overdid it. Again, with Ragnarok, they kind of hit on this like, oh, and we'll use a uh, uh, immigrant song in, in these scenes. It'll be cool. And then like with trying to make Korg, trying to live up to the Korg they introduced, they're like, oh, we got to do a bunch of needle drops in this, huh? Because that's what people want from a Taika Thor movie is is cool, like 80s hair metal <laughs> um, or whatever, rock, whatever you call it, set to fight scenes. The only needle drop that I actually liked was Sweet Child of Mine at the very end. That was sure. the only
0: mm-hmm.
2: bit that I, will I liked. say.
1: <laughs> I will say, I don't have a lot of emotional attachment to Thor having a daughter right now. That feels tacked on. <laughs> it feels, for me, it felt a little, oh, we're here now. And I, I, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't. I it don't... doesn't not work for me. I could see it definitely working in the next movie. But the most emotion I get out of it is going, oh, that's Chris Hemsworth's real daughter.
0: Her. I don't think they really lead us there. Yeah. Eh. Well, I, I think, don't know. There there's for me This also comes there. from a
1: person who thinks that one of the weakest decisions in WandaVision is giving her children. There sure. I said it. Uh, well, can't, can't get invested the, in her having kids. <laughs> there's
0: uh a lot in this movie talking about kind of like love and finding someone, yeah. you know, who is The person that you're gonna um feel bad about (laughs) yeah finding the person you're gonna feel bad about if they leave uh there's there's i guess a good amount of dialogue with that in terms of like finding somebody uh who you who you truly love um and i i think for me that's a really nice like i think that helps me feel like they they are kind of forcing themselves to have a more mature Thor moving forward, uh, in terms of you know making him like take on this responsibility and being like, Gore, if you bring your your daughter back, I will protect her." It's yeah. it's kind of the only stuff for me that really comes close to working with the God storyline sure. and Gore storyline. So like, I I think I like that a lot. I think that's a fun way to swing it as opposed to spoilers the comics do not end with <laughs> gore reviving his child and kind of ending on peaceful terms with thor uh what I, I i think that that's a nice switch and that i like that angle on it and that kind of more hopeful approach i i wish there was a lot more going on in the movie itself to lead us to that but i like the creative choice there uh and i for me it really really worked watching in the theater um yeah i think
2: I'll, i think it's fun i'll, I'll be honest I feel like there's a through line of just kids in this movie mm-hmm. that doesn't really connect for me. Because we have the whole. Basically, Gore shows up to New Asgard, he attacks, and then he steals a bunch of kids just to draw Thor in so he can steal Stormbreaker. I don't know if thematically that's supposed to connect with, like, protecting innocence and Gore getting his daughter back at the end. I was trying to mentally jump through hoops to connect all that stuff, but I don't know. Maybe it just comes down to, I thought the army of kids fighting at the end was lame. Sure. <laughs> um, I thought that was just a really lame image. Um, not so much problems with like kids doing violence or whatever. Um, although that is a little weird now that I think about it. So thank you for pointing that out, Britton. Um, but yeah, I thought that image was just a little silly and also, I guess on a separate note, uh, I'm gonna assume right now that the ability to take Zeus's lightning bolt and just bestow the power of Thor on anyone and everyone is going to be quickly ignored in future movies. Does he
0: do anything with the lightning bolt? Like what? Uh, like in the end of the movie, does he? Do we see him oh, if he still yeah, has it? Or like, does I want to say Valkyrie like
2: keeps it, but okay. I don't know. I don't know for sure. Um it tracks. But yeah, I, I maybe maybe it would have just been nice if Thor talked about like long term goals of a relationship with Jane. Maybe if he went, you know, he's talking with Korg or Valkyrie, and he's like, "Yeah, I really wanted to start a family with her and have kids," and kind sure. of hammer pun hammer that yeah. in early on. That way, when we get there, and she's like, "Well, you you know, you can't start a family with me, but you can start a family," and we kind of, I don't know, something.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely got yeah I, I think I definitely got uh, the math when he when we get to the end and he's got the kid I definitely understood the math of it I definitely saw how it worked thematically and I de- it definitely made logical sense to me I guess I, what I mean is it just it didn't land emotionally as heavily as I maybe would have wanted it to
0: yeah so what what you're telling me is uh, you know maybe with uh, with stormbreaker being a piece of group, we could, have, we could have had something kind of explored there to help us get to, uh, you know, the spirit of Vin Diesel, making sure Thor understands the power of family. That's
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where we should have gone with this. I think you're right. Well, there is a bit at the beginning where he Thor is, like, meditating when he's, like, a trailer daddy um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie when he's got uh, Stormbreaker in the ground, and Stormbreaker has, like, taken root. So maybe... He could have had something about like, ah, oh, Stormbreaker. You're always trying to make me put down roots. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. we didn't have to time hit. for that.
2: He had to ride Stormbreaker like a witch's broom. He does ride Stormbreaker
0: weird. like a witch's broom, which I both love and hate. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Wait, I can't what? really make a decision. I'm like, I have multiple uh, equally strong reactions to that.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Yeah. They rejected my pitch because quote they couldn't afford the music rights for um, all of R.E.M.'s catalog. (laughs) I was like, I just want to make a Thor musical. I don't understand. Thor-E.M. How does this not work? (laughs) You see what improv gets you? A great podcast. A great podcast. Alex, I'm going to take you for your bachelor party. I'm going to take you to to a bunch of improv shows. (laughs) And I'm gonna make you deal, with it. And, I'll, and and in every single one I'll go. You 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 won't be able to enjoy this when you're married. <laughs> yeah, la, la, last night of freedom, buddy. <laughs> Take this in. May, may, maybe I need to uh,
2: maybe I need to amend some of my statements here. At you know, add an addendum. Um, my problem isn't improv comedy. Mm. There are plenty of movies that have improv that I think sure, are so. hysterical. Tropic Thunder is a prime example of this. My problem is just when you have this style, like what Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi seem to do, where it's just, just say anything, whatever. It might be funny. We'll keep it in. Go. I think you're underestimating how much that is what improv is. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it feels like, it feels like in something like Tropic Thunder or, you know, whatever, you know, where quote-unquote good improv you know whatever it might be well it it feels like the actors have some sort of direction and they understand where the scene is supposed to lead this does not feel like that and that's why the scenes go on for forever well i think it also comes back to like
0: there's a there's not a plot direction or momentum or driving factor like there's not something to be accomplished with the ad-libbing there's there's not like a and there's not like room to then say, okay, this went on a little long. Let's let's cut that into the best parts. Uh, it just kind of drags and keeps going because sure. it's like, we, well, we got to get to two hours somehow, and we cut out this other stuff that worked even less. So like, we got to do something.
1: Yeah, um, it, and, it, I, and I'm assuming yeah. there, but
0: you know, I I did think there were a couple moments. I, I don't know if I can come up with any specific examples. I want to say maybe when Zeus is throwing the lightning bolt, something like this happens. There's there's a couple of moments where. There's an edited shot that is like the same shot, uh, and then it it cuts to a different like take of it. Uh, in the same like there's there's a bit where he Zeus throws the lightning bolt, I believe, and then he he gets it back, and then we like cut, and he's kind of like in a different pose, but it's still oh. Zeus, like it's it's like a slightly different angle. And that happened multiple times, and it bothered me a lot. And I was like, <laughs> "Shouldn't that be smooth? Shouldn't you sure. like gone back to something else and then come back to that?" Or like, what, what yeah. was what was that about? Uh, but I think I think editing overall was a a miss for this movie. I I, yeah. I feel like there there probably should have been somebody trying to note like, "Hey, these scenes are running really long. We need to find ways to cut these down." Like, I don't know what that looks like, but we you know we've got to kind of draw something out of this. Um or I don't I don't know. I, I I feel like it was not handled very effectively in that regard. It feels like it was kind of just like here's the movie, we, we here's here's your uh parts of IKEA furniture. <laughs> Probably yeah. a, a bookshelf, I don't know.
1: Well it is kind of find the, out the the weird midpoint between like and not at the museum is just the example I can think of where the improv is basically I don't know, makes stuff up and it just kinda of rambles and spins yeah. in place. And then all the way to like the other end being the Christopher Guest mockumentaries like Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, where the improv is is there just for laughs, but it also the scenes all feel like they you you go somewhere, and those are also mockumentaries, yeah. and so you don't you have a different expectation yeah. of what any given scene is supposed to accomplish. Um, but I don't know. I guess Mike Lee kind of does the dramatic version of that. Um, but I think that. So again, some of the jokes work and some of them don't, which is just how comedies are, for me. But also, yeah, there were definitely point was Like, it was this the funniest take? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, like I don't, whatever. It just seems that they they seem to have often gone with the most milk toast version of of a given taken. Or you look at something like *Talladega Nights*, which you know they just did four hundred takes of a given. Mm-hmm exchange and they tended to put the best one in the in the movie True, but i haven't seen that movie in a while um i wanted to circle back to cg
2: um i do think that's a pretty significant issue in the movie some some sequences look great like the black and white sequence um which i think Mm -hmm. i don't know making it black and white i feel like automatically just like improves it in a way yeah, like, that, like if that scene was just in color i imagine a lot of the digital effects would be very mixed right and there's some cool
0: creative choices there where zeus's lightning bolt is yeah. bright yellow the and lightning all the emitting from City yomir is blue yeah yeah all the electricity is blue um thor's cape is like more red yeah uh like there's there's pops of color it's a really it, like the that that scene there's kind of a great idea for how that's supposed to be visually rendered um it gets pretty serious there's some gags with the goats and korg i think kind of in the middle of that but for the most part it is just like they're fighting these shadow monsters trying to track down gore i think the the sound kind of cuts out for a hot second there uh and just like lets the scene happen um and there's some really cool moments of them killing the creatures and shooting around. And cause it's like a small moon kind of thing. Their weapons can fly all around the planet and it looks cool. Uh, that's a great scene, honestly. Like I, I think it all works really well. Uh, and again, it, it, makes me wish the rest of the movie was more cohesive and kind of matched up to what was going on there because that feels like an action scene that would be, that came out of the, the Ragnarok, ethos and some of the really cool stuff that was in that um so yeah i agree
2: um apparently the movie did utilize the volume which is kind of that 360 degree like set of lcd screens that basically gives the actors instead of having to work on like a green screen um they're able to like see their environment they can't walk that far obviously but they have something to work with um and they use that for the batman they use that for um the mandalorian um and in some places i thought it was handled fine and in other places i was like oh they're just using the volume aren't they um uh, there there were some parts where it was just like it just didn't look right um like there's the scene right after the fight in new asgard when jane and thor are first kind of connecting and there's the joke of oh what has it been like three or four years and thor goes uh eight eight years seven months three days you know whatever and it looks really fake to me. Um, it looked not great, and I'm like that. It's just a, it's like a small. It, it's New Asgard. It's just like a, a generic town. <laughs> That's. It doesn't look good, and then a lot of the CG just doesn't look great. Um, I don't know what what it is with me and and CG masks and cowl's and whatnot when Thor puts up his big yellow-blue metallic one when he's first seeing Jane again, I think that is one of the worst CG shots I've ever seen. It looks real rough.
1: Um, Seems and, aggressive. Yeah, and, I was too busy being like thinking this is the coolest guy I've ever looked at. Yeah. I mean, it would be the coolest no, guy I, if he didn't the, have that thing, <clears throat> that
2: monstrosity in front of his face. The, oh, man. Those, those masks bothered me less than I expected them
0: to, and I again, I definitely think on... TV it does not <laughs> sure. kind of compresses. I really do think in a lot of ways there is a attempt at a Saturday morning cartoon vibe with this movie, uh whether or not that's successful. Uh debatable, but I I feel like that's where a lot of the kind of like lack of attention given to things like continuity or the effects or like how this how some of that stuff looks or plays.
2: I I feel like that is where a lot of this comes from. Which is Tyler Interesting Can you remind me There was a movie recently That you compared to Spy Kids Was it this one?
0: No Okay That was uh, Kingsman 2
2: Okay Cause I was also oh, thinking yeah. Along those lines <laughs> of like Saturday morning cartoon vibes But Something like Spy Kids Is It was not an expensive movie is a masterpiece Yes <laughs> I mean I mean We can have that discussion <laughs> But and we on will next will week's on the episode podcast. of Here Comes. But that movie was not made for $250 million. And well, I think this speaks to my larger issue about just Marvel oh. VFX. And I know that's a huge hot button news topic right mm-hmm. now with all of the stuff coming out about um kind of the conditions that these VFX companies are dealing with in terms of executing Marvel projects and how everyone is just kind hey. of burnt out and Apparently, a lot of the, the Marvel folks are just, like, constantly changing their minds, which is why you get a lot of last-minute changes, like the Black Panther third-act fight. Um, apparently, there's just a lot of issues with uh, prioritization and, you know, fitting stuff into timelines properly. And apparently that is a, like, it's an industry-wide thing, but because
0: Marvel is currently generating so many, so many projects with VFX, like they're kind of getting the focus, which, you know, fair. I kind of support make, make the working conditions better, figure some stuff out. Well, make it look better.
2: The, the big thing beyond that for me is there's the, the, uh, the now infamous video of, I think it's Taika and Tessa Thompson breaking down yeah. a scene and they point out Korg in the sequence and Taika goes, does that look real to you? And Tessa Thompson goes, no, that doesn't really look real to me. And they start laughing about it. And I'm like, Read the room, guys. This is not a good look for you. And particularly with Taika not Hashtag not, not wanting to take anything seriously. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It, I found that very, very frustrating. Like, I, I'm going to stick with this. Marvel movies should be the best-looking movies out in the market right now, and they just aren't.
1: Whoa! Big slam on DC. <laughs> All right. Didn't know we had a Marvel zombie on the, on the cast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't I feel like, to some extent, it's like this is very. These are very
2: mass-produced uh, products. <laughs> if each one was made <laughs> for a hundred ways. million dollars, then I would understand. Each yeah. one has a budget yeah. of over two hundred million. I, I, I do not give them that pass. Well, they, you know, they were the ones that built this. Okay. Hey, well, hey, I also hey, think it, times are tough, man. Inflation is up. <laughs> yeah, the
0: cost of uh, a cool-looking mask
1: like it's not 1978 alex yeah it's way up can't just walk into a hardware store and buy a cool mask it's much easier to pay even more in vfx (laughs) yeah and 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 uh i i think what matters about a movie is what's on the inside Mm -hmm. uh what is the movie's personality like what uh what
0: are what is the uh information
2: Written, about, like, you're on you're on very very uh dangerous waters here when we we recently compared this movie to mcdonald's so well, don't Andy, don't I'm start sure. talking about what's on the inside of I Thor: mean, love and thunder
1: i'm just saying you're making a, a big fuss about like oh how does the movie look and i'm like how do the movie and i communicate yeah what, what we have in what common did, what
0: did they include in the blu-ray box like yeah what, like you know do, is, are, is there an advertisement for like you know like somewhere where i can buy like statues of superheroes
1: is there potential for growth do i feel safe with the movie is, does the movie feel safe look, with me? manual safe do like don't manual i don't movie?
2: i don't have a blu-ray copy of love and thunder so i can't get on my soapbox about how terrible um special features are now but um i see i see you trying to to,
1: to draw me in there tyler can i, I like can it. i stay up late <laughs> just talking with the movie after i've done after the movie if after i have finished watching the movie do i want to cuddle with the movie i don't know like (laughs) you have to think about these things it's not just a happy meal for the movie i mean i just i oh my
2: god so so britain is um is your uh your quote on the the dvd box not the blu-ray box on the dvd boxes um seven and a half out of 10 uh
1: will cuddle after watching (laughs) Uh, I, ag- again, I don't like to apply numbers to looks. Also, I would like <laughs> to just acknowledge for the audience, uh, me taking a sort of dating metaphor and Tyler taking a sort of fast food metaphor is kind of, rem- uh, echoes the clash and, uh, oil and water effect of the <laughs> themes in Thor Love and Thunder. We made it work. we, but we, we just it planned kind and-
0: of- Planned it perfectly. No improv here. This is a scripted podcast.
1: Yeah, take this to Tyka before the fifth one and be like, "This is what you need to do." Yeah, this is the kind of alchemy you need in your in your project. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's why. Listen I'm, to this I'm boy upset. talk about cuddling a movie.
2: <laughs> this is why I'm upset. I had to take notes for this. Tyka clearly didn't. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I mean, you're not. Amazing. You're not. Yeah. You're not getting paid two hundred million dollars for this. We didn't have to didn't have to turn him into anybody. Yeah. What we can't see is that on the other side of Alex's computer is a very stern school marm looking down her glasses at him. <laughs>
0: Alex, this has Good. all been a big, a big uh, community project.
1: Yes, this Mrs. Is, you, Johansson. You can, you
0: can count these as service hours. Yeah. To make up for <laughs> uh, graffitiing the lunchroom.
1: Yeah. This 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 uh, podcast can help your application for parole yeah i did not um, literally not legally that's a joke not I, legally by- judge <laughs> hey judge this is a joke that was a joke judge I, I judge
0: did- judge i think if someone goes to the effort to make you listen to this podcast and says that for some reason this should help them get out of parole <laughs> then i think you should give it to him i am not I, a lawyer it would be but nice but i don't think yeah you can. i think anyway. i think you should i think you should think about it
1: anyway mr reinhold thanks for listening we did enjoy you in the santa claus movie <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you think Judge Reinhold ever thought about becoming a judge?
1: How you must have done! Do you think he ever right wanted there. to be
0: Judge Judge Reinhold?
1: That just it, come on. <laughs> how do you not? It's right there. It's like how I try to become a country for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could just you could you
0: can move to the UK and become Britain the Britain.
1: That's true. That's
0: true. But. Or you could play Skyrim and be Britain the Breton.
1: <laughs> and don't think I haven't. <laughs> think Don't think I don't think about it. <sighs> Tyler the Taylor. And Alex doesn't have an easy one. So we'll just move on to the next note on his trusty list of misgivings.
2: Um. I just have a note that says Christian Bale is too good for this movie.
1: Christian Bale yeah. is very good in this movie. I will say, as much as I like both of their performances, it is bizarre that Christian Bale's performance and Russell's Crow- Russell Crowe's performance are in the same movie. Yes. yeah, yes, That is strange. That is but I like both of those performances a lot. Yeah,
2: I think Christian Bale might be giving my favorite performance
1: of a villain in an MCU movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's terrific in it. It really is I mean, uh, to say Christian Bell is good in something is such yeah. easy, but he's really good in. At- mm-hmm.
0: And I wanna he's you know, he's the only reason Gore's motivation really comes across at all. Because yeah. like I do want to talk about Gore's introduction, um where he has his daughter, they're starving and dying of thirst in the desert. Uh his daughter ultimately dies. He wanders the desert and finds an oasis where his gods are living that he was praying to. Uh, And there is a big sun man who's very big and looks glitchy. Glitchy is the only way I can really describe the way his visual presentation is. Because he's like, it seems like he's shifting slightly in place. And I think that's because they're trying to make him big. But they really didn't need to make him big, except for the scene where he's actually with Christian Bale, because otherwise he's sitting on a on a stump and like there's nothing there's nothing near him to like make a reference to say like, oh, he's he's he must be small. It's like, oh you could just show him yeah. and then be like, oh wow, he's big when he picks up Christian Bale. See, I, uh, I think that
1: was they were trying to give that him was odd. Sort of, I think they were trying to give him a sort of ethereal glow kind of look, like he's not quite of this realm. But it ended up looking glitchy. That that was my read.
0: It was strange. And so he's a jerk, and then Gore kills him, which is fine, good start. Gore, Gore night, finds a fancy king. sword. Yeah, and he's like, Nope, I don't like gods anymore, and he kills him. And then we don't really check in with Gore. There's there's one thing that I think was kind of a big miss that probably would have helped this movie a lot if we're talking about pulling stuff from the comics. And you know, the MCU never just does the comic things, like I think a lot of people get those expectations in their head going into an MCU project when it's like, oh, this is called this. This must mean that they're going to do this. Sure. Um, they confirmed Secret Wars. Yes.
1: Are making that secret up? Or Secret Invasion, at least. No,
0: I think... Didn't they confirm the 2025 Avengers movie is Secret Wars? Yeah. It's not going to be the same thing. It's it's yeah. not... They're just... That's not how they're going to land. It's not going to be like either of the Secret Wars events from the comics. And I think people are going to like... Set themselves up for one expectation. I mean, like Infinity War is, uh, yeah, a totally different Civil thing. War II, yeah, they are just grabbing the name Age of Ultron. The comic event is about a dystopian future universe uh, that they're trying to prevent. Like it's they don't do the same things. They they just take the names. They take some ideas and some themes and some concepts. Um, but one thing that this this the comic story that introduces Gore does is have thor run into gore in like the basically in like uh the middle ages in uh norway scandinavia like basically he runs into him and has a a big fight and it's like kind of i think kind of defeats him and uh gore escapes and we kind of go from there so it's like that immediately establishes this guy as like okay, he's, he's this big threat. He's been around a while. That's how he's killing all these gods. is because like, he's, yeah. he's sort of sleeking, slinking around in the background. Uh, Thor has history with him. Like, I think that would have been a smart thing to do. I think that would have made a lot of sense to, uh, pull that in somehow and, and create this sort of like mythos for the character going back some ways. Cause that's where, I mean, most of the time, like Thor villains and characters and history, uh, is going to revolve around characters who have been around a while yep. because you're working with the Asgardian mythos and so you can bring in characters and be like this is I mean they that's what they, they did with Hela they said like this is his long lost sister um I think it would have been smart to to do something like that and try to set him up uh I I almost think that would have been a better introduction for the movie if it was like 1180 scandinavia and then thor is drinking and having a, a rowdy time after helping some vikings fight some other vikings and then runs into this guy and he's creepy and you know they, they have this big battle and thor is like i don't know what that was about and then he leaves <laughs> like then you know we jump way later and somewhere along the way we get gore's backstory um that and you know in the in the introdu- introduction you can have gore state like my motivation is to kill all the gods i think you should die because you are a god gods are not worthy and uh continue on from there and like do have that be kind of the the jumping point for the character have it establish him as someone who is you know very powerful and living for a while and like give him that grounding so that he has more to him when we run into him in this movie and like I i think that was a miss to not try and use that as part of the origin um i don't know the timing of it feels weird in this where it's like i guess this just happened and now he's killed 100 gods and is coming
2: i did have the thought that it would have been interesting if most of what happens to gore is in the five years after the snap and that the snap actually wrecked his planet sure yeah I think that would have been an interesting kind of reason for why this story is happening now. And yeah. the idea that, oh, all of these people came back after my daughter died. Right.
1: Yeah. You know. Why? Yeah. Why? I, I, I think that could make sense.
2: Um, But even more than that, Tyler, I think just give me some scenes of, of Gore doing some God butchering. Yeah. Have him live up to his namesake. Because really, after he kills that, that God at the beginning, we don't see any of it. It's always, well, I mean, it's really just the aftermath of the Sith battle, um, which I I do think we needed to see. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was waiting for Gore to actually have like a cool scene where he's wrecking some gods and he doesn't yeah. get that. I'm like, you have Christian Bale there, use him. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um. Also, along those lines, Valkyrie has nothing to do. Um, she tells some jokes, then gets stabbed, and is out of the third act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And especially if the whole idea is supposed to be her kind of deciding or dealing with, oh, do I really want to be a politician? What do I, you know, do I want to, you know, pursue a relationship or whatnot? And they don't, they don't stick with any sort of direction for her. Yeah. And Tessa Thompson's good. And yeah, no, she's great. Once again, Girl, give I- her things. It feels yeah. like she kind of feels like, I mean, I hate to say it, but it does kind of feel obligatory to have her in the movie. It does feel like, oh, she was a big part of Ragnarok.
1: So she's of yeah. course, she's going to be here, right? She wears a big fan of the Opera t-shirt. That's pretty good. Sure. And, and she got to fighting it. Yeah. And I liked the play within a play. That's always fun. Sam Neill, 11. Mm-hmm. That, that whole bit was fun.
0: There's a uh, the I I like the add-on the expansion of those characters that they did where uh Matt Damon and Luke Hemsworth yeah uh come up to uh Tessa Thompson and like are arguing that they're being like pretentious playwrights and they're yeah. saying like the people need film right now or need yeah. uh, entertainment right now we have to we have to adapt these these scenes and then Tessa Thompson's like whatever and then <laughs> they're like I didn't hear a no did you and they go off to Yeah
1: well, like they're the way right the, the, the over the overdone community theater stuff they do within the play is so great. Yes. Like when he's when Matt Damon's spraying his eyes to look sad, and mm-hmm. he's like, and they're going no, and looking at the audience like, say it with us. Yeah. I think it's it's delightful. I I thought it was just
2: we've been here and done this. Um, and my problem was in the yeah they're
0: they're doing they're they're showing you what happened in Ragnarok. So I yeah. mean
2: I mean there it, there actually is some truth to that. Uh, In terms of my frustration, but in the in the previous film, there was a story purpose for having that. It wasn't just we're doing a funny recreation of Dark World. It's supposed to be this is how Loki is is perceiving these events. And this is how he wants Asgard to perceive them. It helps to set up the status quo for where Asgard's at when Thor shows up. This is. It's just an obligatory repeat of that scene. I, yeah, but it made me laugh, so that's all I needed to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it didn't <laughs> no, make I, me laugh, and there I, wasn't I, a story I, purpose beyond it, so it was a waste of time for me. I, yeah,
0: sure. I actually quite like it because I think we don't really get. I think New Asgard is kind of confusing as it is presented to us. I think yeah. that like it's like okay, the Asgardians live there, they have their families there, but there's also like a lot of tourism,
1: and there's also um, like some of them are fish people, like some of them are not Asgardians. Yeah, there, some of them are aliens. That's stuff. I are, are the um, Asgardians yeah. all gods
2: right like
1: who there has powers and
2: because i had that whole question about the kids getting kidnapped yeah. and i was confused as to why gore was like horrifying them like yeah. he was purposefully like tormenting them and i was confused as to why right particularly because the whole reason he's doing this is because he lost his daughter i feel like he would have sure. at least some
1: some you know, sympathy to these kids, but. Or like, they can't keep you safe, but I will, like, trying to force himself to believe that he can keep a child yeah. safe. I mean, it'd be one
2: thing if he's like, oh, you're all gods, so I. Sure. D- you know, you are all beneath me. Um, I'm going to kill all of you. Um, But they don't even address that. So I, yeah, Britt and I agree. The, the, the backstory and, and a lot of the world building is just non-existent.
1: Yeah, that's that is a weird because if if they but, are just bait, then you would think he would be a lot more like, No, I'm not going to, in fact you can stay if you want. Like yeah.
0: To that to that point, the community theater deal is them demonstrating how some aspect of New Asgard life runs day to day. It's like, Okay, so these guys they've set up a troop to uh entertain tourists. Okay. That's that's something. That's neat. Um they have the thing about like the, the boat that goes back and forth uh to you know ferry people around like a theme park ride yeah um, and they
2: have infinity cones and they have infinity
0: cones uh but like i would i would have liked get to,
1: a t-shirt that says infinity cones. i, I liked would have like
0: just <laughs> hang out in new asgard for a bit and just like let that be like i wouldn't i would like to see more of i think that would be more in taiga's wheelhouse to have like scenes there where it's like okay what is life like these are his guardians they're fish out of water they're living on earth what's how's the interactions what what happens what do do, does anybody protest infinity cones (laughs) what what's going on on here like i i I, that to me was one moment of like okay i can kind of grasp onto that because i i like seeing some more of what's going on
2: there as a concept then uh, Thor makes a joke about Asgardians previously eating children, and I was not cool with that. Weird, <laughs> yeah, weird bit. Yeah, weird bit. Why did they? Why did they let that one through? I just, I, I don't get it. I have no answers. Um, this movie does have an out for most, if not all, of my criticisms. Korg is narrating the whole time. This is all from his perspective. <laughs> This none of this could be how it actually happened this is just how he's
1: telling it to these kids sure we're gonna get the direct Thor's cut that'll be <laughs> as it was that's that's an, that's a good read I mean the, the movie does have an
2: out like if, if I were to walk up to Taika Waititi and like lay out like my list and be like well this didn't work this doesn't work how do you answer all this and he's like Korg was, nar- was narrating
0: alright yeah. I'd have was, no
1: defense I'd have yeah. nothing <laughs> It's it's very unreliable narrator, very yeah. Nick Korg away from The Great Gatsby, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I will say
2: uh, they also doubled down on just making jokes of things they were already making jokes about. Um, and this kind of goes along with, I don't like how no... Which one is it? It's Far From Home. It opens with the video of like oh, in memoriam of Tony Stark and Black Widow and, like, their deaths are treated as jokes. Um, Because at the beginning of this, when Korg is describing what's happened to Thor, he's like, and that person died, and that person died. Oh, these people that you don't care about, and it's the Warriors 3, they also died. And it's very clearly like, I am doubling down on this thing that people complained could, about in the last movie. Deal with it. I could it. put that in specifically for you. They did. Yes, he did. <laughs> um they they were thor's friends why are we why are we doing that there is no
1: character consistency here sorry i don't remember far from home but i i i, I wonder if the intention with that was not necessarily to turn the deaths into jokes but to make the mourning like the, these people are doing a bad job yeah morning like that the joke is yeah, look it, at this hokey thing that they are yes, that they are mishandling a serious thing that is not definitely that they're, what they're not, doing not that far the death from home. is funny I think, and my, to
0: me, it works pretty well in Far From Home. But I agree that the like the Warriors Three stuff in this
2: is like, yeah, oh, that, what, that, what that, are that you? feels glib, Okay. Yeah. Well, for for me, it's more just like if that was the only time that it happened was in Far From Home, like oh, isolated incident. Okay, I get it in context, that's fine. But it feels like Marvel is just okay with doing this across all the movies, except for Eternals, because it's super serious, and that's why I like it. <laughs> <Brent>. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Um, the the last note that I have, and then I will stop talking. Um, maybe I just don't like superhero movies that are Period. based.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding.
2: Maybe I don't like those that are based around magic wishes. Stop doing that. Wonder Woman 1984 sucks. Oh, okay. And so did this. I'm giving Thor, Love and Thunder a D plus.
1: What other ones have magic wishes? I'm what not challenging I, you. Where, what are you saying about magic wishes in this?
2: Are you talking about... Oh,
1: or I guess the Eternity the stuff. Yeah. It feels... That's not it's necessarily not the, the
2: problem with this movie. I'm just drawing a connection. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So I guess you hate Aladdin? Yeah, and Pinocchio. I didn't know Aladdin was a superhero movie.
1: I mean... I
2: think yeah. he's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're pretty
1: great. Does that make you a superhero? Yes. <laughs> I mean the real heroes, Alex. Ah, oh, okay, okay. First. <laughs> uh I give it a C plus. Uh I think it's you know, whatever. But I also think that there's there there are a lot of images that I think are really pretty. Just I a lot of parts of the movie that I like looking at, a lot of cool shots, even if they're not necessarily like emotionally substantial like eternity looks kind of cool um not as cool as in the comic but that's okay um but i don't know there's a lot of images that i think are neat and uh i like christian bale and yeah c plus
0: uh this is a classic uh alex and tyler seem to disagree the entire time but then land on the same grade because i'm also giving this a d (laughs) (laughs) plus
2: that that is genuinely shocking to me that you would Give it that low of marks. That's that's kind of how I felt coming out of it as well.
0: I I think that it, I think I immediately on the first watch was kind of like, I understand my problems with this and where it lands for me, and it doesn't like it. It just clicks for me right away why it does not really work, uh, at least for me. So
2: yeah, um, I I will say I I do want to reiterate I did think that the last forty five minutes were a lot more solid but there's just too many systemic problems throughout the whole thing that yeah sure. i just yeah there's there's a lot of fun stuff scattered
0: in there i like the, the i think i would say the most like unadulterated like i have no caveats on my praise bit is the battle sequence uh with the like Big black and white moon thing. Uh, oh yeah, but it's it's kind of a mess.
2: Tyler, this might be the lowest grade you've given an MCU film. It probably it's, means I need to lower some other grades. Yeah, what what is uh? It's the lowest like- I've given, and I think that tracks. I I, cool. I I was kind of bouncing back and forth. I do think this is my least favorite MCU movie. I think this really? has all of the problems that I think are are just kind of part of the MCU and. Yeah, more than Ant Man and the Wasp. More than Ant Man and the Wasp. Wow. I think definitely... Ant Man and the Wasp at least has a story. I don't like that story very much, but it feels like it's got like we've got a, a very yeah, yeah, cohesive yeah. piece, and it's just boring. This sure. is a mess. <laughs> this is being graded in, graded
0: against twenty twenty two MCU standards as opposed to twenty eighteen or whatever standards, which I do think we've we've come away with sure maybe uh, specifically in like the last 5 years um so probably i would go back and rate some of those later cuz i wouldn't put this below and if i was ranking these in terms of my enjoyment and what i like the most i would not put it below like iron man 3 it's still one that i particularly just have sort of a fixation
2: of dislike on um it looks like the lowest that you gave were for incredible hulk Iron Man Two and Thor: The Dark World, all of those you gave a C minus. Iron Man Three, yeah, I would, you gave a C. Those, those would, those would slide into the D
0: range if I was going back now. But we'll, we'll leave it for posterity for now. Maybe I'll have to think about that and I'll do a big reevaluation. But not, maybe not Iron Man Two. Iron Man Two can probably stay at C minus. Did
2: you say that was one of those? Yes. Okay, that's fine.
1: are you gonna rewatch all of these and give us your grades? Yeah, if maybe one eventually, I'll kind of piecemeal them together. <laughs> I don't know. What my lowest MCU grade would be like Captain Marvel, maybe. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. I don't know what I've rated these movies. <laughs> what is my lowest, Alex? That that's gonna be very tricky to determine. Yeah, that's true. Don't worry about it then. Very piecemeal. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the episodes I've actually been on for Marvel. Like what. Where they would all fall. Keep going. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll go ahead and do my recommendation. Um, you did uh, give Captain Marvel a C. Okay. Okay. In the lead. Um, for Captain, mm-hmm. I am gonna recommend. Uh, I I rewatched. Speaking of rewatching, "Singing in the Rain." That's right. Gene Kelly's back and better than ever. Um, <clears throat> so still still on that beat and uh, it doesn't need my help so I won't talk about it too much but it's great. If you haven't seen Singing in the Rain, I really do recommend that you watch it though. It's easy it's one of those movies that's so easy to write off without having seen it because it's just so thick in movie culture and how many, you know, old movie stars have talked about Singing in the Rain and are we tired of hearing talk about them talk about it. But but then when you actually watch the movie independent of all that, it's really really fun. And the thing that struck me about it when I rewatched it was one, that it's, it's a, everything's a good showcase for Gene Kelly, but it's it doesn't highlight him as much as other movies of his does. It's a great showcase for Donald O'Connor, who can go from doing very subtle, coy kind of one-liners to big, broad, really, really broad physical comedy. Um, I am of the perhaps hot take opinion that Make Him Laugh isn't actually funny. I think it's very impressive and high energy. I wouldn't say that it's funny, uh, but it's great still um so there i said it come after me al pacino and uh i i think that the movie is also surprisingly funny in a very contemporary way um it does have jokes from that time period not not necessarily tasteless way kind of but they, they just do a lot of it has a sensibility of humor that you would think like they have extras making these big faces and these big reactions that feel like you would do it now in a parody of a movie from the fifties. So it's, it's really interesting to see the movie have that kind of sense of awareness about itself. Uh, but of course the songs are great. The dancing is great. Um, there are, I believe at least two numbers that are a two person number between Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly that are fantastic. Debbie Reynolds is great. Come on. Uh, uh, Gene Hagen or Hagen is really fun. Um, But yeah, if you haven't watched Singing in the Rain, go watch it. You can probably skip the Broadway melody section towards the end. It's just really, really long. doesn't really add much. Um, But otherwise, it's a great movie and people should watch it. But my real recommendation is after you've watched Singing in the Rain and other Gene Kelly movies, go over to Disney Plus, where Thor lives, and head right on down to The Muppet Show, which is on there. Go to Season 5, Episode 1, and watch an episode of The Muppet Show where the special guest is Gene Kelly. Um, it's it, As an episode of The Muppet Show, it's fine. There's a B story. Uh, the B story is where Beauregard thinks that the world is ending. <laughs> sure. um, and that's just like a thing throughout the episode. The A story is that Gene Kelly doesn't think he's the special guest. He's like, oh, I'm just here to watch the show. So this is a lot of shots of Gene Kelly sitting in the wings eating popcorn and laughing. And it's okay. great. Um, Kermit introduces the endangered animal chorus line, which is hilarious. Uh, but you uh, you do still get to see Gene Kelly dance with Kermit And sing with Miss Piggy and Gonzo And I mean This was in 1981 I want to say And so this was like he was definitely an older man He looks fantastic But he doesn't do all the cra- He doesn't tap dance on, in roller skates Which people should still watch um, But it's it's just really Lovely and there's a really Touching number that they kind of Close on with him um, And it's it's I think it's enjoyable regardless, but especially if you're me and you've been watching Gene Kelly movies a lot for the past few months and the Muppets a lot for the past almost thirty-four years, getting to see Gene Kelly and Kermit the Frog on my TV screen in a scene together and Gene Kelly like just smiling at Kermit, like that's that's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, singing in the rain, definitely. Muppet shows featuring Gene Kelly, are you kidding me? That is a that is a Britain Britain niche casting right there. So or narrow casting, you know what I mean. Movies are fun. <clears throat> anybody else Black Widow appears to be your lowest uh, that makes sense of the C- <laughs> oh my god it does make sense yeah it would be Black Widow alright sorry Captain Marvel
2: uh Better Call Saul still watching it everyone else do the same Tyler cool is Kermit in it uh I haven't finished it so oh <laughs> <laughs> I never know yeah that's
0: why everyone was so like you know really responsive to the finale is that it ends with um <laughs> the, the Saul
1: and kermit singing rainbow connection as they yeah. walk off screen i think the end credits is all the characters going manamana mana. <laughs> do, 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 do. and jonathan <laughs> banks go and jonathan banks yeah. is like manamana mana. it's,
0: it's jonathan banks and uh esposito yeah esposito and you get walt whitman in there and you have. Wait, wait Paul, the poet?
1: Walt Whitman, the poet? Or not Walt Whitman.
0: Walter White. Walter White. Also, also Walt Whitman. That would be Whitman, amazing. Played by Alan Moore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> Menomina. Now I want to see Alan Moore go Menomina. <laughs> uh,
1: that would be good. Who's your favorite you Muppet? Who, which is the one that's the most occult? Because it's that one. Uh, I guess Crazy Harry? Well, no, Uncle Deadly. It'd be Uncle Deadly. What am I talking sure. about? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, I don't really have uh, in particular recommendation. I've been watching the shows, like I said earlier, She-Hulk is a lot of fun. I like that. It is what kind of what it is. It's its own thing. I'm I'm really enjoying She-Hulk, Rings of Power, and House of the Dragon, which are all going on right now. It's, it's nice to have TV to look forward to. Uh, none of them are like once once this these first seasons of them have finished, I'll decide if I'm like locking any in. Is like, oh, you sh- you gotta go watch this right now. Um, but so far so good with them for me personally, at least. Uh, so I'm gonna recommend Beta Ray Bill. Uh, also, we didn't talk about the fact that Brett Goldstein is oh has yeah now been cast as Hercules, which is just another like I need to have a running list that I refer back to uh, and and read off whenever we review a new Marvel movie. Just to identify, like, there are are like 10 dangling threads across the MCU. Just, I mean, maybe cliffhangers is too strong of a word, but, like, just in terms of, like, when is that character going to show up again? Like, where where are you going to go with this? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of weird teases, and this is another one. Hercules is like an Avenger in the comics at this point like he's he's been with the avengers since like the at least 90s maybe 80s um then like he's just superhero people like him and he's like part of the crew and so like is he gonna show up in an avengers property is he gonna show up in a potential thor 5 where is beta ray bill these are all questions i have
2: uh so you will know. Hercules rip off his mask halfway through the movie and reveal that he was actually beta Ray Bill the whole sure. time sure
0: well i'm I'm kind of like, okay, you know, if we got Thor, we have, uh oh, one thing I forgot to mention uh I do quite like uh Jane being like um J- Jane's speech that she says to Gore, where she's like it's not Lady Thor, it's mighty Thor." I will also accept Doctor Jane Foster. Also, eat my hammer. Yeah, that's pretty. That's good. good. I like that.
2: So, eat uh, my hammer was not her catchphrase. Yeah.
0: No, like she she was joking about that earlier, saying like. No, but maybe there's, like the, eat there's my the, hammer should be the catchphrase.
2: There's supposed to be like the sweet bit at the end, right as she's dying, where she whispers her catchphrase into Thor's ear, and it's supposed to be like, "Oh, we're never going to know what that is."
0: No, oh, I forgot about that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Eat My Hammer, but like then that happened. I don't know.
0: I she's testing things out. Or she was testing things out. Now she can test them out in Valhalla. I don't know. Um, Eat
2: My Hammer actually I, that worked. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was good. Um but
2: yeah, I I don't
0: I don't know what they're gonna do next with this property. Uh it would be I think it would be interesting to see a new uh creative talent get to take this on and maybe we spin off and do something else with Korg. And Valkyrie and Taiga can still help, something like that. I think there there's a fun sort of office style, uh, new Asgard mockumentary to be had there. What we do in the shadows, you know, there's connections here. Go, go, go put something like that on Disney Plus and I will watch the heck out of it. Um, but I would like to see a different angle. We'll, we'll see what the future holds. Uh, but in the meantime, beta Ray Bill. Final answer. Always, always valid. Uh, if you would like to hear more of our podcast you can find us on herecomesequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at hctsequels you can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com we are on Spotify and Apple Podcast and other podcast apps uh, wherever you listen to us leave a like and subscribe and do whatever the app will let you do to say like hey this is, this is the thing I like and it'll be good yeah. Then more people can hear us do a two-hour and thirteen-minute review of Thor: Love and Thunder.
1: Dang it! <laughs> with Sorry your help, with with your help, we could go viral. Yeah. And that's real power. I'm not sure this is start... the one
2: I want to go viral for.
0: <laughs> we could start a Patreon, and we'll like our our bonus content will be like. Uh, that's that's where we'll put the spy kids reviews <laughs> that'll, that'll be our standing patreon
2: content there you go the the paywall is for spy kids yes
1: yes the paywall is for spy kids found the show notes but yeah I'm, um,
2: I'm i'm okay with with like the light year episode going viral where all three of us collectively lose our minds
0: mm-hmm.
2: i don't know about this one <laughs> just me complaining for two hours
1: well fortunately I don't know we'll have that problem next week We're starting a franchise um, We're getting into the season y'all will see what that means Of course uh, but we're going back I mean we've been doing franchise movies but you know what I mean We're going to pick up a like Movie 1, movie 2, movie 3 etc um, I'm 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 looking forward to it I think we'll have have, have a lot of good, good times I Tried to say have a lot of fun Apparently that word was too complicated for me
2: <laughs> I've been Tyler Hey I've been Britain. I've been Alex They pin this on me. You're having a good night. (laughs)